When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You see me trying to do the wave here. It's really trying to get it over. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, Follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakerholics.com, the wonderful folks at the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, and everybody out there that can catch us anywhere on social media at Lakers Fast Break. It is sincerely appreciated. Well, now that we got all that done with all the basketball stuff on the court, let the real fun begin. That's right. The best two weeks, pretty much, well, if you include maybe three, three and a half weeks, if you include Summer League, is about to begin. And the silly season that is so much of a part of the NBA is now here and now very much a part of what's going on with the National Basketball Association with the draft coming up on Thursday, free agency soon after, and trades galore in the not-too-distant future we're looking, ex- well, we're excited. We're ecstatic over this part of the season, and I know I am. And here today to talk about everything that's going on in regards to upcoming free agents, the NBA draft, and so much more, are Laker Tom and Jamie Sweet. But before we get to them, wanted to go ahead and make sure everybody knows that I am dropping on today's show, not Mock Draft 1.0, not 2.0, not 3.0, and even not 4.0 which you can find on Lakerholics.com. I am dropping right here on the site right now for you, first anywhere, Mock Draft 5.0. And I'm going to do it five picks at a time. So I'm going to get the guys on here. I'm going to do a little bit of differently today and get Laker Tom, who you can catch at Laker Tom on Twitter, the man world famous now based off of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast with Rafael Barlow and myself. And speaking of that, this Thursday, we're going to be on after the NBA draft. We're going to do a special live video feed from Facebook on at, at Lakers Fast Break. Plus, we're going to be there for free agency on Monday afternoon. So check that out as well. We'll have the time set up for you on Facebook at Lakers Fast Break. I'll make sure they're all nice and tidy. But during the draft, the best place to go is not ESPN and not anywhere else to go, but 
the Locked On NBA Draft with our good friends out there, especially Rafael Barlow. It's his first time doing this in from a live television audience. This is something he's aspired to, and he's worked really, 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 really hard for this. Many countless hours. I've seen him just looking at tape. You know, I've heard him talking about looking at tape at 2 or 3 in the morning, and I know when I'm editing my shows and the podcast, I know he's up as well doing what he needs to do in regards to the NBA draft. He's traveled all around the world. He's told fantastic stories on the show about all the NBA draft stuff that he's learned and just to come to know as someone that's worked behind the scenes in the NBA and also overseas. He's really worked hard on this. And the West and the best way that you fans out there, the Lakers fast break can support him is not necessarily go to ESPN. You can have him on another TV in another room. That's fine. Or you're on your computer or whatnot, but please have on the guys live from the locked on NBA draft podcast live from Dallas. They're going to go ahead and support them. If we can, please do so because mm-hmm. Going to have a great setup with Chad, obviously with Chad Ford from ESPN, Rafael Barlow. They're going to have David Locke there, the host for the entire scene that's going on with the Locked On podcast. And also he's the voice of the Utah Jazz. So it's really going to be a great time there. But after the draft at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern, we'll be on live on Facebook at Lakers Fast Break to talk about the draft, what the Lakers did. And also the winners and losers of the NBA draft as well. But guys, they're here now. Jamie Sweet and Laker Tom, you can intermix thoughts as I go ahead. I'm going to round off the first five picks. Not one through five. I'm going to go ahead and scale down from 30. All right. So we're going to get closer to the Lakers draft pick this time around. So we're going to start off with Utah Jazz at number 30. And down five from my last mock draft, 4.0. And this is based off of a lot of the intel that I'm getting in, a lot of the stuff that I'm hearing, and uh, analysts, podcasts, but also I take a second look, third look, fourth look at some of the videotape and video file that I see, whether it's YouTube, whether it's sent to me. I also ask a lot of the analysts out there myself in regards to, I've, over the months, I've talked to Mikey V, Michael Weisenberg from Viceland. I've also spoken to our good friend Stone Hansen from the Upside Swings podcast. And also, of course, you know Rafael Barlow has been on there many times. So I've been talking to them consistently along with just getting a feed and a feel on where these teams might go with their draft picks. So number 30, the Utah Jazz being that far back in the draft, they really need athleticism. But I'm not sure if Greg Brown, who is pretty much at that point in time the last athletic big man right around that range is going to be the answer because he just can't shoot and no one knows if he's going to ever be able to shoot. So I'm going to go with a score, young score in Josh Christopher at Arizona state. He's down. uh, It is his spot from his previous location on our mock draft is down five. So look for Josh Christopher for Utah jazz at 30, 29 Phoenix suns. If they lose Cameron Payne and Chris Paul, which Laker Tom, you're telling me all the time that Chris Paul could be a Laker and I'm hearing it and seeing it on the rumors as well. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting situation because he's the one guy that it's very possible that he could pick up that he could pick up his, he could, he could exercise to opt in and take that last salary 
uh, in which case he could be traded to the Lakers and it wouldn't be a sign and trade. And if, if Chris Paul was going to join LeBron James and the Lakers in any kind of revival of the banana boat crew, um, <laughs> that's the way to do it rather than, than having it be a sign and trade. Um, he just makes too much money. You, you, I mean, the whole problem is, is that if you add LeBron, AD, and either Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook's salaries together, they are already way too much to be able to get into the hard cap. So you can't, you can't hard, you can't trade for one of them and try to hard cap. But the idea that Chris Paul, well, the idea that Chris Paul and Cameron Payne could be both be gone. I know Cameron Payne is, is, I don't say he's a lock to be gone, but he's going to be out there and his name is going to be prominent in free agent discussions. And if that's the case, it's going to be hard for them to retain both Cameron Payne and Chris Paul. If that's the case, even though they do need a backup big man and a little bit more size and strength, they do they will need a, a playmaker. And at that point in time, Sharif Cooper is the best playmaker around at that point in time from Auburn. Kid who seemed to have grown three inches since the end of the draft, since the end of the season, the college season, because amazingly he went up as you can see on my notes there he went up from 61 to 64 as far as the measurements and i think a lot of people are kind of still scratching their heads on that but be that as it may excellent playmaker there's very few that are better than him coming out of the draft so i really see him as a great playmaker in the league but the shooting is awful and he needs to go ahead even though he shoots well from the line can score in deep has a nice little floater just really needs to go ahead and shore up that outside shooting in order for him to become a success in the league. But I think as far as his assist ratio could really be well, well, he, he's a very good playmaker and I really see good things from him at number 29 for the Phoenix Suns. 28, it's going to be the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm thinking Quentin Grimes as far as a shooter, nice shooters concerned, 40% from three. He's really started to hone his game a little bit in the draft combine. He did pretty good as far as a lot of people were really looking to see what he had to offer because he was a flame out in Kansas, but turned his career around in Houston. And he is probably going to be a late first round selection. And I have him going right there at number 28 for the Philadelphia 76ers. Coming up next is Brooklyn Nets. And with the Brooklyn Nets, you know, they don't need a whole lot. Mr. Jamie Sweet, but what they do need is a little bit of size. And I think Mr. Jamie Sweet, it's Isaiah Jackson. So what do you think, Jamie, as far as that's concerned? Do you think some size is needed in Brooklyn? Because they certainly have a lot of talent in place right now. Yeah, I mean, I think whoever they pick is probably not going to see much of the floor except in uh, camp and uh, blowout games, unless it is a center or somebody big, because uh, there's no way you're <laughs> – unless the injuries hit them hard like they did last year, you're not going to see a lot of playing time. Um, that makes sense. Uh, I, That's Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky, freshman, 19 years old, and, listen, and someone that I think right around then, either that or it's going to be someone that's also a freshman coming out of college, De'Ron Sharp at 6'11". Uh, to me, it's, they're going to get a try and look for a big body at that point in time. They just need a big – They need yeah, because DeAndre Jordan doesn't cut it, uh, not like ever anymore. So they're going to need they're going to need another big boy and uh, – Let's face it, Kentucky's an NBA uh, factory of some sort, so it makes sense to pick, you know, from a program that has a solid NBA pedigree pretty much right out of college. You know, a lot of those guys come ready to have an impact right away, so. 
There you go. Number 26 for right now is going to be Denver, the Denver Nuggets. And I'm going to pick Cameron Thomas from LSU, 19 years old. He comes back into this part of the draft because what he can do is score, and he can do it really well. People are hopeful and really positive on the fact that he might be able to accelerate his shooting from the outside because he was a good free throw shooter, and that usually projects well into a better trending three-point shooter in the NBA I know one of the things that's been talked about with Denver is trying to get some more scoring and more bench availability, especially with what happened to Jamal Murray. So definitely think some scoring off the bench or possibly even as a fourth or fifth option, just to have that option of someone that can fill it up at, in Cameron Thomas. I think that could be a good thing for the Denver Nuggets indeed. But those are the first five choices right there for you. Again, that's number 34 Josh Christopher, 29 for Sharif Cooper, 28 for Quentin Grimes, 27 for Isaiah Jackson, and 26 for Cameron Thomas. Before we get into the next five spots, guys, there's also some free agents that we discussed. And before we go ahead and check on that, I'm going to go ahead and stop the screen there on the draft right now. We're going to go into some of Tom's prognostications and projections in regards to some of the players out there. He sent us over a worksheet that I'm going to go ahead and post up right now on there in regards to the players that a lot of the targets that the Lakers are looking at, because I know you guys are checking out what the rumor bills are saying right now in regards to who it's the Lakers might be interested, who they're going to pick it up. And I know a lot of the ammunition these days, it's in regards to Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry. Those are the names that have been talked about a lot, DeMar DeRozan. So we'll start off with those four na names right there for you. And Laker Tom, Russell Westbrook seems to be at the head of the list this past week. His name has speeded up the charts in regards to rumors for the Lakers. So I want to hear your thoughts on this in regards to Russell Westbrook the possibility of the Lakers actually doing a sign-and-trade? Um, well, they wouldn't do a sign-and-trade because Westbrook's well, not under for, contract. Well, not for Westbrook because he's under contract, but maybe signing someone that the Lakers, let's say, Schroeder, to help fill some of that gap. Well, I think the Lakers, you know, it's funny. I just I just been having this ongoing conversation with Michael H. from Lakerholics.com, <laughs> uh, and uh, – he was looking at uh, at that Buddy Heald and uh, and Russell Westbrook as a great combination to bring to the Lakers, and I said, "Yeah, you know, I I could really I could really go for that." Um, the only problem is when you when you take Westbrook and Heald and add them to the Lakers lineup, your salary comes out to be over 180 million. That's off. Your luxury tax comes out <laughs> to be around 168 million. Right. And your total payroll exceeds $350 million. Um, that that makes not, the Nets, who are looking to pay $100 million in payroll uh, taxes, luxury taxes, as being cheap. So it's really hard to, it's really hard. I mean, I've been making the argument on Lakerholics.com that you've got two different approaches. You can go with the, we're going to pay luxury taxes and build a team and we won't have to worry about the salary cap. Or we'll, we'll go out and we'll get a free agent and sign and trade somebody. And, and most of the point guards that we like happen to be free agents. So you got to sign and trade them. That gives you the full 9.5 million MLE 
So you get a better shot at the top two players, but you are hard cap, which can really strangle you down the road. You can you could be you could be unable to make a big trade if an opportunity comes up. So there's a big choice to be in there. I mean, there's no way the Lakers can. I can't even believe that. I mean, historically, Jeannie Buss has always said, yeah, we're willing to pay luxury taxes. But the real reality is, is we've never paid more than 10, 15 million dollars in luxury taxes. We've never got in the area that that the Nets and the Warriors are now of paying 50 to 100 million. And frankly, I don't think we are going to. Oh, there you go. That That's in regards to Russell Westbrook. Jamie Sweet, Chris Paul could be in the offering if he turns down his option. It's a $44 million option, so that's quite a bit of money. But you know Chris Paul, he'll always have a landing spot somewhere in mind. And as the players, uh, as the president of the Players Union, you know he's going to make sure he's going to get himself paid to show everyone out there that you still can get paid. And coming off a... Somewhat disappointing finals where he started out real well and kind of faded as time went on until the very last moment, until he started to show some signs of life. I think there's still an issue with his hand there. But Chris Paul, as a member of the Lakers, is that a possibility? I mean, anything's possible. It's the offseason. It's the NBA. Uh, you know, as we were talking about pre-show, one of the first most electric midnight moves of all time was – Jim Buss signing Timothy Mozgov uh, right off the bat to kick off free agency. So, you know, good or bad can happen in the NBA, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out. But I, I, is it possible? Yes. Is it probable? I think it's highly unlikely uh, that Chris Paul ends up as a Laker. Um, he, he's, he's at the very least going to opt into the $44 million player option that he has if he doesn't get some sort of, you know, if he can't suss out a couple more million somewhere else. Um, you know, it's, it's so funny. All these guys talk about like, I want to win a championship. I want to win a championship, but I also want a third of your salary cap. Uh, and there's a whole, there's a whole like issue. I feel like. But what if the, he has a agreement under the table with a team that might sign him for a three year, $90 million contract or, or something thereabouts? I mean, I'm sure. Right. I mean, all that's possible. I feel like it's, it would be really odd for me to me for him as the players union president to take a pay cut. Um, Unless it was a multi-year deal. Even then, I feel like. I feel like you're you're looking at, like, I mean, maybe. I don't know. He's old enough that a 330 makes a little bit more sense than a 144. But there's there's a premium for point guards who can hit clutch bat, clutch shots and, and involve others. And he still plays pretty good defense. He's not the defender he was, you know, five, ten years ago. Uh, but he's still a leader on the court in, a, in the way that we, you know, admired Rajon Rondo for being a leader on the court. Um, I had to take a second look at his three-point shooting that, that Laker Tom had to come up there because the common belief is that he's very shy in taking shots from beyond, beyond the arc. But when he did it in the playoffs, he was very effective at it. And as you can see there, he's a 40% shooter from the behind right. the arc, which is no. kind of funny to see because he's such – He's so well known as someone who loves to go ahead and find the corners right there near the free throw line, right there, 10 to 15 feet deep. Yeah. And shies away from the three point area. Just imagine if he would have taken the route that some, well, me also would have said that Kevin Garnett should have taken, go ahead and take more threes, take those few steps back and take all threes. What if, what if Kevin Garnett had taken, you know, his famous 22 foot shot that he always loved to take. What if he had just stepped one foot back 
and taken threes instead of twos. Just think as it were, he'd be on the all-time scoring list. And then the same thing would go be, be for Chris Paul as well. I mean, you could say the same thing about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is a decent... You could uh, say the same thing about Kobe. Yeah, there's a million players. There's a million players. As the game changes, so does the places from which you score on the floor. But I I think Chris Paul, I don't think he cares about the number of shots. I think he cares about the quality of shots that he takes. He takes good shots. He doesn't take... he He gets to spots that he knows he can hit a shot from. He gets to spots where he's open. He, you rarely see him drive the ball into traffic or pull up his dribble with his with without having a direct pass in line. You know these are these are point guard skills that are being lost. Uh, and so any point guard coming into the NBA, take the notes you should take from Chris Paul isn't where he gets his shots from. It's the quality of the shot. They come from spots where he knows he can make it or he's wide open. Uh, and usually he sees that there's a teammate like a DeAndre Ayton under the basket. You know, a lot of guys jack shots up and their center's still like lugging down the floor and, and unable to help the team out with an offensive rebound. You know, smart shots are as good as uh, – the smart shot in the NBA should be uh, focused on a little more in my opinion. Uh, but that's true of all sports. The smart play, let's say, should be focused on more in sports than, it, than maybe it is these days. Laker Tom, let's go ahead and focus on the last one for right now, the last play right now, and then we'll get back to the next five spots in the uh, mock draft, and that's Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is someone that has been often talked about with the Lakers as far as being, uh, you know, uh, picked up by the Lakers, maybe through a sign and trade if they go, you know, if he wants to go ahead and see if he can squeeze out more dollars. Your thoughts on Kyle Lowry? Is he the most likely scenario for the Lakers amongst that three? Amongst what three? Well, the one we, ones we've been talking about, Westbrook West- and Paul and Lowry. Yeah, I think that there's several factors that, that make Kyle Lowry a very logical top choice for the Lakers as the point guard that they're talking about when, when they talk about getting a difference-making playmaker. Um, to start with, uh, Lowry is not a superstar, uh, despite my – portraying him as a superstar, as a fourth super, third and fourth superstar. He's really not a superstar. He's only made one all-star appearances. Um, so he's not in the, he's not a point guard of the caliber of Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul, but he also doesn't carry a $44 million salary. Um, he's a guy who is making $27 million this year, um, is willing to drop down to 20 to $25 million if he can get a three-year deal for that. That's what he wanted when the Lakers were considering trading for him uh, at the trade deadline. Um, and it, that's probably between 20 and 25 is where he would agree to come to the Lakers in, in a, you know, in a sign and trade. Um, and I think it makes a lot of sense because between 20 and 25 million, the Lakers basically, if you take a look at their salary cap situation and you assume that they're going to be hard capped, that gives them room for around $35 million to get two players who let's say one would be for the full MLE about 10 million and and the other would be for let's say 25 million. So they could get a combination of Lowry and Bullock, for example, uh, and still be, and still stay under the hard cap, still bring back Caruso. They would probably have to get rid of THT, obviously have to trade Kuzma and uh, KCP since they have the big $13 million contracts. But it's a doable situation. And Lowry is exactly what the Lakers need. He's a volume three-point shooter. He shoots 40%. He takes eight threes per, seven threes per game. 
Um, he's a excellent playmaker. He's, uh, uh, he's everything the Lakers would want in that situation, except for possibly a younger player. Um, and the younger version of him that would probably be out there would be Lonzo Ball, who isn't on the list of ones that we're talking about, but I also think is another prospect for a sign and trade. Um, the more I look at the situation, the more I think it's more likely that the Lakers will actually end up uh, doing a sign and trade uh, for a player and getting hard cap than going the other route of picking up, you know, a hundred million dollars in luxury taxes. I don't think that's been in the, in the previous way that the team has operated. And I don't expect them to do that going forward. So Lowry is at the top of my list for way to upgrade the starting lineup dramatically to get that difference-making playmaker that the Lakers want so that they can move LeBron to the four and AD to the five. Um, and that that move of AD to the five is important because all of a sudden now you've got a situation where you've got three slots, the one, two, and three that are open instead of the one, two, and five that are open if, if, if you keep LeBron and AD at the three and four. So you get a lot easier chance to get shooters to surround LeBron and AD with three-point shooters. It also opens up an opportunity where you could bring in a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who, who's a great guy to have to close games out, who can get you a clear shot, a high, a high percentage two-point fadeaway jumper that it, uh, very much like Chris Paul or Kawhi Leonard. Um, but you can't put a guy like that into a Lakers lineup with LeBron James and Anthony Davis unless you also have two really good shooters in there. So if you were able to get two really good shooters – it opens the door for a lot of different things. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I think that the the main route that the Lakers have hopefully will include targeting Kyle Lowry. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Once again, it's the Lakers Fast Break. Truly appreciate you joining us. It's Laker Tom, Jamie Sweet, and myself, Gerald Glassford. We truly appreciate you joining us. Let's go again back to the next five picks that are available in the mock draft that I have, mock draft 5.0. So we'll take a look at that right now. Coming up right there for you. Next on the list is number 25, and that's the Los Angeles Clippers, Trey Mann, who I think in recent weeks is going down a little bit because his slight build and people are concerned about what he's going to be able to do at the defensive level. The offense doesn't seem to be too much in question. 40% from three, 83% free throw shooter, pretty good off the dribble, uh, could use a little bit more playmaking skills but as a scoring point guard option i think he'd be pretty good and as somebody that might lose reggie jackson in free agency not someone that could come in there right away but someone that could play down the road 
some valuable minutes for the Clippers. Trey Mann could fill that bill possibly. Number 24 is going to be the first of two picks that I'm coming up for the Houston Rockets. Let's go with Ayo Dosumu. Ayo Dosumu comes back into the draft right there, comes back into my mock draft. He's going to be a nice pickup at a, as a uh, combo guard situation right there for you. 6'5", good size, good playmaking ability. Still worried about his shot a little bit, but if he develops that part of his game, could be a solid pickup. I don't think he'll ever be a key starter on a team, but I think he can fill valuable roles for team as a rotational player. Uh, at number 23, I'm going to go ahead, Dayron Sharp, right there for you. Dayron Sharp is going to be someone that I think is going to do very well at a next level because he's tested out extremely well in workouts in the past few days. He's worked out some really some really good workouts. Actually has shown that something he did not do at North Carolina, and that was outside shots. He actually proved to in workouts in the past weeks that he might be able to hit some things from the outside. And he's lost 15 pounds because he was a little bit overweight at 265, but 6'11", 250, 245 could be something that it could be nice off the bench for you to give you some size and some uh, hopefully some playmaking ability. Pretty good passer as well, and, uh, and definitely a good rebounder. So that's something that could bring some size to the uh, Houston Rockets. Number 22, and this is where it gets interesting. This is the Los Angeles Lakers right there for you, and that is going to be Kai Jones, who has fallen sharply on a lot of people's lists in the past couple weeks because of the fact that they're really unsure about what he is because he's a six foot eleven guy coming out of Texas. Raw athleticism, uh, raw potential, I think, is probably the thing is what out there. I mean, can shoot, fill it up as far as from the outside. It's shooting at almost 40% from three coming out of college. Good pick and roll guy. Pretty good defensively, but I'm there's a lot of concerns with him because he's very raw, and a lot of people see him as someone that could be a boom or bust type potential. So I think a lot of teams are getting scared from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing from analysts out there. So if he falls and the Lakers don't get one of their choices that they should be targeting and Chris Duarte, who is rising up the charts also as well, Trey Murphy, who I had in my last mock draft, and he is someone that is rising up dramatically on charts as well because they, people are loving the fact that he's going to be a very solid 3 and D player. And if Jared Butler is not there, who was reinstated by the NBA for passing his medical exams because he was kind of concerning, people were worried about his heart. But the NBA, after a couple of weeks, have finally cleared him. So is he st he's starting to slowly rise up the charts again. He's also a solid playmaker and excellent shooter from outside. If none of those three individuals are there for the Lakers, I see them taking a chance on the intrigue and raw athleticism that has Kai Jones, someone who could slide in as a power forward slash center. So you never know. Someone who can hit from the outside, possibly, at the next, at the next level. So we'll see what happens with Kai Jones at 22. And number 21 on my list is Trey Murphy, who again is sliding up charts. Uh, he was someone who was projected as a second deep second rounder. People are taking a third and fourth look at him and someone who can hit 43% from three and 93 from the free throw line plus play outstanding defense. He is that prototypical three and D. And I think a lot of, a lot of teams starting in the teens are going to take a long look at him and I don't expect him to be there for the Lakers. If he's there for the Lakers, they should go ahead and nab him if they're going to keep the pick. That's all contingent on if the Lakers are going to keep the pick. 
But if they do, that they shouldn't be able to have a chance to pick Trey Murphy. He should already be gone by then. And I have him at the very least going to New York at 21. So right there for you is the next five on my list. Looking forward to sharing that on Lakerholics.com. Look at that. Look out for that when this hits. So coming up next, again, we're going to go ahead rapid fire on some more great options that are available for the Lakers that have been rumored. Next on the list is DeMar DeRozan. Jamie Sweet, I take it back to you. DeMar DeRozan wants to be a Laker, wants to come back home to Los Angeles, uh, maybe as a six-man, but he's not going to stretch the floor for you. He's going to want the ball a lot. His eye, Obviously, his best option is to score. Lousy on the defensive end at this point in his career. I'm not exactly thrilled of him as a, being a great option for the Lakers at this point in time. I mean, it comes down to price. Uh, if he's willing to come, which he won't be, but if we hard cap ourselves to use the MLE to get DeMar DeRozan, that'll be a steal. Uh, if we have to fork over, I mean, I don't see much of it. I, 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 this is astounding, but for our team, I think KCP is a better fit uh, because he knows what his role is. His role is to play great defense, get to get some open threes, uh, finish on the break. Uh, and that's his role. You know, DeMar's the kind of the same fit. I feel like the Drummond was where, He's going to come expecting a certain amount of possessions to be thrown his way, uh, a certain type of role, and not necessarily willing to go all in on the kind of team culture that won us a banner. Um, so I I like DeMar DeRozan as a player. I think more than most people, I don't think he's as terrible a defender. I mean, he's not a good defender. He's I think he's on our team. He's not a good defender. But he, on our team, there's, uh, there's what – I think he'd be an okay defender on our team. Uh, good enough. Uh, I don't think he'd be as good as Contavious is, uh, and that's t- that to me is a, is a loss in a lot of ways. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, I, I have a hard time seeing him go really anywhere but San Antonio, unless it's the Knicks. Uh, I, the, the Knicks are the only team that I think will offer him kind of the role, and they could use a scorer like him, right? Like that's what happened in the playoffs. They couldn't hit shots. Nobody could score. Nobody could put the ball in the bucket. And they lost to the Hawks, uh, who could score, um, and hung with them on defense enough. So I, I actually kind of have DeMar DeRozan. Or I actually have De, what of Lowry or DeRozan or both going to the Knicks uh, as opposed uh, to the Lakers. Um, I think a lot of people want to avoid the Western Conference, frankly. <laughs> it's, it's a tough conference. And you have a better chance of getting through the East, uh, I think. So if you want to win a rings. I have them going to the Knicks because they have the space. And they could basically keep their entire team and or upgrade it with Lowry and DeRozan. And if it's, if rumors are true that they want to play together, uh, that makes as much sense to me as LA. Tom, any quick thoughts on DeMar DeRozan before we hit to the next, next candidate on the list? No, I've actually had a couple of posts where I've uh, supported the Lakers drafting DeRozan. As much as I love the three-point shot, I do think that there are times when Getting a sure two from mid-range is a valuable asset to have on the on the roster. I think the move again of LeBron to the four and AD to the five so that we can fill up the first three positions uh, gives us enough room that if you let's you know I mean if you had a Buddy Heal and and a Kyle Lowry uh, in the lineup to shoot by high volume and high percentage of threes, then I think you could afford to to put in a, a a mid-range jump shooter, an elite mid-range jump shooter like DeRozan. Um, The problem is obviously that he doesn't play defense. Um, But a lot of the guys that we're looking at 
as scoring options. I mean, Buddy Heath is not a great defender. Um, most of those guys who are going to be great scorers aren't going to be the type of two-way players as LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and and that makes it very hard. Um, but I think that, uh, but I think that you can you can live with one or two of those guys on the roster if they actually can fulfill an important role. Uh, and, and in this case, we don't have a lot of guys who can get shots, you know. Right. And uh, especially when LeBron and, uh, is sitting, man, it would be good to have a scorer you can count on uh, in DeRozan who can put the ball in the bucket. Uh, I may not, it may only count two points at a time, but right now we're losing six points a game when we're playing without LeBron. So that's a big difference, you know. You look at the scoring of, of where the Lakers finished 11th in scoring in the NBA. If they were to score 10 points more per game, they would be the number one team in the league in scoring. So you can see that adding a person like a third scorer who can really score could be something really important for the Lakers. The question is, can they get enough three-point shooting in order to balance that out? Because they're not going to get it from DeRozan. He's going to be, you know, I mean, he's going to make, he's going to be KCP again as far as three-point shooting goes. He's going to make one a game. That's it. That's not oh, going to not going to really change the dynamic of the team, and you wonder if he's going to have to he's going to have to if he wants to come home and wants to join the Lakers. He not only will have to take a cut in pay, but he'll have to have to take a cut in minutes, a cut in possessions, a cut in stats, and go for a championship. You know, he's one of those guys that missed the championships in Toronto and missed the championships in San Antonio. So maybe now he's serious enough at this point in time in his career to say that, okay, I'm, I'm shooting a few threes now, 1.4 a game, I think. Um, and so maybe, you know, maybe he's willing to, to make the changes. Um, I, I recently put a post on Lakerholics.com and I showed two options. Basically one option was that we got to uh, use the full M the full 9.5 million, taxpayer MLE to sign him uh, to sign DeMar to the team. And the second option, and we also spent uh, $25 million on, on a sign and trade for Lowry. The second option was that, well, maybe Lowry, we, maybe we get Lowry for 20 million a year because he's going to get a three-year contract on a sign and trade. And we could turn around then and uh, use free agency to use that extra 5 million to do a $15 million offer for uh, DeRozan. And that's approximately where, I, if anybody's interested, John Hollinger has some five great articles, which takes the free agents at every position, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward and center, and and gives you a solid estimate for what they're going to be worth on the marketplace. He's got $17 million for DeRozan. Um so $15 million for the Lakers might be a doable thing to get him. Uh, if he really wants to sacrifice, he's going to have to go down, I think, to to take the MLE at $9.5 million. Well, there you go. That's one last option to you there. Um, actually, continuing on with this, Reggie Bullock. Uh, Reggie Bullock uh, returning to the Lakers. Uh, it didn't work once. I don't think it would have worked twice. Again, stop me if you heard this before. He's had a very good season in the New York Knicks. Now is becoming a a person of great interest out there in free agency land. 
we've seen this before, Jamie Sweet, where an individual on the New York Knicks, usually in the years that they're not very good, usually will have a, a great year and then try to go ahead and cash in on that. Now the team is coming off a playoff run, a quick playoff run, but still very positive season, a surprisingly good season. Reggie Bullock looks to cash in. Is it time for him to cash in back and return to the Lakers? Uh, I, I haven't really been feeling the Reggie Bullock vibe myself. Um, I agree. I think that, I, I, you know, I question, I think, you know, he's a fine three-point shooter. He's a solid three-point shooter, I should say, rather. And he's a fine defender. Um, I don't know that he is worth the effort it would take for the Lakers to get him here. <laughs> you know, I don't, he's not worth hard capping yourselves for. Uh, and I don't see him taking the vet minimum and I don't see him being worth being included in a side and trade because uh, that would also hard cap us. So I, I don't really, um, I don't really see a path for Reggie to become a Laker, to be honest. MLE uh, 8 million is what uh, Hollinger projects for his free agent salary. I mean, that for sure. If there's a team that's not, I, I, I just don't but see By the that. way, as a noted Laker hater, but let's not come talk about it. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that that's beside the point. He's, let's just assume he's doing his job uh, without bias. Right. Uh <laughs> But I, I just don't see that as that, I, that's a I don't see that as a good move uh, for the Lakers. I, I think that's a lateral at best, if not just a, a poor choice. Um, I'd rather keep THT. I'd rather keep THT over acquiring uh, Reggie Bullock and uh, and Caruso, and, and I honestly still not trade uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Uh, I just don't see his stats that he was very good at uh, with eleven points a game, forty percent shooting from three, ninety percent from the free throw line. That translating to Lakers. I don't know whether it's a disconnect before, but it's something that we tried to trade for him before, and it worked so well that he was gone by the right. end of the season. Yeah, right. so it's because he was a free agent at the end of the season. Yeah, but still, yeah, the Lakers you know, had made no attempt to re-sign him, and uh, with good he's reason. He's an upgrade over KCP. He's an excellent defender. He takes six threes per game. He shoots at forty-one percent. He's not hesitant. I just think there'll be a disconnect when he goes to the Lakers. Again, uh, just something with the Lakers organization sometimes doesn't allow guys to go ahead and be a good fit. And I just don't think this will be one of that if if the Lakers go after him again. So uh, I just don't think it'd be great. Let me put it this way. If the Knicks want to cap hard cap themselves and side and trade him to us for KCP or Kuz, I'm cool with that. Um, I just again, I just don't hard, that doesn't hard cap him. Only receiving a player hard cap. I, I just don't think it's an accident that he I, chose. Right, he right. he played so well in New York and did not play so well coming over from Detroit and heading to the Lakers. I just I don't see it working. I don't see it working. If right, it didn't so, work once, I don't see it working for a second time. I agree. Yeah, Colin Sexton uh, is the last name we're going to touch on this list for right now, and someone who, if you can get him. Comes at a very cheap price. Laker Tom, I'm going to go ahead and turn it to you right now on Colin Sexton. I understand he's uh, going to get a lot of people angry every now and then because he's <laughs> a very aggressive player, a very shot-heavy player, but you know, 37% from three, not too bad there. Improving young player, assisted turnover ratio. Wouldn't have to worry so much about it on the Lakers because LeBron can pick up a lot of that ball handling uh, You know, as far as the slack is concerned. I mean, your thoughts on Colin Sexton? I think he would be a pretty decent fit on the team. Well, I've been having a conversation with Michael H. at <laughs> Lakerholics.com. Must have gone on. This this thread must go on forever. It's two days. Uh, yeah, well, Michael, won't, Michael wants the last word, and I want the last word. 
that, uh, that makes a little conference. I already know who wins uh, that, that conversation. Um, Michael H. At any rate, here's the problem with here's the problem. Laker Tom, because he owns the site. Sexton has two years left on his contract. He's making only six million dollars. He will be up for a thirty million dollar max contract after after this year. So the Lakers don't have anybody to trade him straight up for, and nobody is going to trade straight up for him because unless you're going to trade a star, I mean, the closest we could get would be offering Talon Horton Tucker and our draft pick for him. Well, I, I understand he's already him. being being attempted to be shopped around right now as he's going to have to be combined. He's going to have to, he's going to have to be traded. I mean, if they go out and get Mobley, for example, then, then they're going to get rid of, uh, of their center. Uh, so they probably, would, they would probably package him along with him. And it's kind of in, and then the big warning sign to me is that 1.57 assist to turnover ratio for a point guard. Yeah. The Lakers are not going to put a 22 year old kid in charge of running a team. No, no, would you he's though? A starter, he's problem. not a bench player. Yeah. But you can put him in the starting lineup and have him fill the role that you were hoping that Dennis Schroeder could play as a secondary. Yeah, but that that belies everything that we've been hearing that the Lakers do not want. To well, have you know Dennis LeBron's Schroeder not going to give back. up the they ball. He has a, a four. They want an elite point guard who's really a difference-making playmaker. Uh, I, I don't that think is that... not Colin Sexton with a one point five seven assist to turnover ratio. Again, it's it's all about with the Lakers a secondary playmaker because LeBron, when it comes right down That's to not it, what they're saying, the he's going to be the primary. They're looking for a primary playmaker. Uh, yeah, we'll see how where that works out. Ask LeBron. They want to get the ball ahead. out of LeBron's hands. They don't want to wear him out. They want to extend his career. But when it comes down to it, as far as in the clutch, who's going to have the ball at those key moments of the game? And the clutch is different from running the game. Different from bringing the ball up every time. During the first quarter, you can have him bring it up. Colin Sexton bring up all the ball he wants. Yeah. Second quarter, we'll see. The fourth quarter, we'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. I mean, I just the team works best in the clutch with LeBron. James is not going to play point guard anymore. He's never does. Okay, let me say this. Neither does Draymond Green. But what right, position right, does he Exactly, play? exactly. LeBron didn't play point guard in our banner year. We still have and where is Bradley or Rajon Rondo. the top of the key. He's at the top of the key. So, yeah. There you go. The Lakers are looking to do it differently this year if Stein is correct. I understand that. I haven't heard anything to say that Stein's take on the Lakers was wrong. But you know LeBron James. We know LeBron James. You don't think that if the Lakers are planning on moving LeBron to the four and AD to the five, they've already discussed that with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. But, again – Old habits die hard. Old habits die hard. That's what I'm saying. And well, if they move him to the four, he's still going to be the point forward. Like yeah. that's that's it's it's not he's not going to suddenly be like, well, let me stay. Yeah, here but the idea the idea is to get him the ball on the move from a playmaker so that he does not have to constantly create his own shot. Yeah, but they you don't want need easy points for him. Well, when it comes to Recalon Sexton, I don't think they're going to be able to get him anyways because right. the fact that he no, does have not- such a small contract. And he's going to be probably moved for something a lot higher potential than what the Lakers can offer in return. Absolutely, so you can't you can't get him for you can't get him for another player who makes ten million dollars. No, going to have to, it's going to be a multiplayer, multi-pick type of situation. I but. still think it would be nice though, because I think again the, the scoring punch that too you young. can give your team. So wow. he's too young. 
I, the Lakers need to get young. Uh, the THT. The Lakers need to win now before they, they don't need to get young. They can wait till LeBron is gone to get young. What's the difference? They between, need to win now. What's the difference between Colin Sexton at an older 22 than the THT at 20? I don't get it. I'm, I'm not, I don't see any difference between either one of them. I think they're both bad fits for the Lakers right now. THT? Right. Yes. He can't shoot the three. I agree with. He's Tom not there. really a great defender because he's I, I, a little slow. Tom, Tom bought me in. Tom bought me in on THT early on, and we had hope. But I don't think some things in his game are going to change. I still think he's going to be a very poor finisher around the rim. And I also think that the shooting from the outside is going to be bad. I so. think he'll improve on both of those. But the problem is, I do too. He's not, not going to, to the improve. Extent, not to the extent. It's going to be when he's twenty-four or twenty-five. It's not going to be when he's twenty-two and twenty-three. But not to the extent. Not to the extent to what the Lakers are hoping for. Not soon enough is the problem in my mind. I think he's going to be an All-Star player. We'll see. We'll see. But there's still more to talk about on today's program. Once again, it's the Lakers fast break. It's our argumentative group of Jamie Sweet, Laker <laughs> Tom, and Gerald Glassford. We truly appreciate you joining us. We're we chatting. We're the... chatting. Yes, we're chatting. We're chatting well as we chatting. can. But I'll tell you what, it's still much to talk about on today's program. But again, if you're out there and you have any questions for us, please Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com or lakersfastbreak at yahoo.com. Always the best place to go for any of the information that you need on the Los Angeles Lakers. And also be part of the conversation today at Lakers Fast Break. All right, guys, we're getting into the top 20. We already counted down who the Lakers we think will pick at number 22. We're getting into the top 20 now, and it really it comes down to – what I'm seeing a trend is, is that a lot of people that have athleticism and are not really skilled as of yet are falling in the eyes of a lot of analysts and individuals out there, the experts out there. And those that have skill are going to increase quite a bit uh, in the eyes uh, in the draft and, and are rising up the charts. And one of those individuals is returning, like I said, from some medical question issues, and that's Jared Butler. Jared Butler will probably be picked around the time or close to it around the time where he was supposed to be picked originally. It's supposed to be somewhere right around the end of the lottery, late teens. And I expect him right now to be picked right around the 20th position with the Atlanta Hawks. Good combo guard, can shoot well from deep, plays pretty good defense. Obviously, he has that championship pedigree coming from Baylor. So I think that's a good pick, a solid pick for the Atlanta Hawks if they can get someone that can just give uh, Trey Young some minutes off the bench would be outstanding and also could play off of him as well. So that would be a good option for Atlanta. Number 19 is the New York Knicks, and they pick Usman Garuba in my mind, a 6'8 forward from Real Madrid, who is rising up the charts as a good pick-and-roll specialist that plays good defense, just has a, a huge motor and, and just very athletic and someone that will really never stop hustling and never stop playing gritty defense for you. So really think that'd be something that the New York Knicks covet because with Tom Thibodeau as a defensive-minded individual, he'll go ahead and find a spot for Garuba on that team. Number 18 is Oklahoma City. And with Oklahoma City, I think all their picks are going to be based on the future since they have 10,000 picks coming up in the next <laughs> few years in the draft. And uh, you will see a bundle for them. You'll see it. You'll see them at some point doing some big trade 
packaging a lot of those picks. But for now, we're just going to assume that they're going to go ahead since they're in rebuilding mode. And since uh, Alexei Pokashevsky is probably one of the most favorited individuals over the past few months that people love. And with that is going to be a big learning process for Oklahoma City. But I do see many years right now of the near future struggling, for, if that's the case, at least two or three years for them still being in a position where they're going to grow from there, which is going to lead to a lot of picks on potential. And for me, number 18, first one, Zaire Williams, who many say is 6'8", some people say 6'10". He measured out to a little over 6'9", from Stanford, had a very disappointing freshman year at Stanford, but was one of the highest rated high school players to come out at that point in time before heading to Stanford. But a lot of people are with, are basically touching on his situation at Stanford as far as his struggles there in regards to the the COVID epidemic. Uh, he didn't get, he played a lot. He stayed a lot in hotels. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that were going on as far as the, the way that they had it structured. So a lot of the time that he didn't get a chance to prepare. So a lot of people are saying that Zaire Williams still has a ton of potential and they felt that they're going to give his year in the Pac-12 with Stanford a pass, and they're going to go ahead and just base it off of potential. You'll see Oklahoma City reaching for guys like this throughout the draft, I believe. Number 17, Memphis Grizzlies. And with playoff hopes and aspirations after their run last year or last season, it'll be Corey Kispert, I think, from Gonzaga. I expect him or if a Chris Duarte or some seasoned veteran who can hit from the outside, I, I think they're going to go ahead and look into that range for them. If Corey Kispert's gone, look for them to go ahead and get Trey Murphy at that spot. But right now, Corey Kispert, veteran coming out, full senior, four years, very efficient, 44% from three. Be great if the Lakers could get him down at that spot, but I don't see him dropping down that far. My only problem with him, really, uh, I mean, decent defender, but my only problem with him is that in the NCAA tournament, he kind of did a, a little bit of a disappearing act in the final two games. So with that, I, I kind of hedge my bets. And there's another individual that also kind of shied out in a key NCAA tournament game that I kind of have a little bit soured on a little tiny bit. And you'll see that coming up later in the draft as well. But Corey Kispert for me, if he's there for Memphis, is going to be too good to pass up as a three point shooter. Number 16 is Oklahoma city. Again, don't be surprised over the years. If you're hearing this Oklahoma right. city again, <laughs> I'm going to, again, this is going to be another uh, individual that's going to be, have a lot of potential Jalen Johnson. And if Jalen Johnson isn't picked by Oklahoma City, you could see him go down far in the draft. But uh, he only played 10 games, or excuse me, 13 games at Duke, but has a ton of potential as someone who could be very good at on both sides of the ball. But again, he he's someone that in a lot of the same ways that James Wiseman was with limited action in college, you're going to have to go off a lot on faith. And we'll see what happens with Jalen Johnson from there. But I have him as someone with a very high degree of potential for Oklahoma City Thunder at 16. But if he doesn't go to Oklahoma City at 16 or 18, I he could fall quite a bit because of the fact that you're basing a lot on that potential as well. But, guys, that's my list for, for right now on that. We'll continue with my top 15 here in a little bit. But let's head back to Mr. Tom's list here as we go on. And uh, 
looks to be going to be a little bit over our hour, as we sort of speak. Well, actually, it's going to probably be a lot over our hour. But let's go over our next list of guys right here on Laker Tom's screen. And we will go with the next one being Spencer Dinwiddie, who is coming off an ACL but still looking to be paid. I mean, we've heard this situation before, but he is not a Kevin Durant. And we'll talk about Kevin Durant's uh, latest foray in Olympic basketball here at the very end, which we will not forget about. But Tom, Spencer Dinwiddie, also someone that teams might be interested in. The Nets might be interested in re-signing him. But coming off that ACL injury, mm, I don't know, man. I don't know. Plus, he's not the greatest three-point shooter in the world. Yeah, I think those are the big concerns. Spencer wants to come home to L.A. Um, the Nets, he's a, he's already uh, exercised his player option. So the Nets are willing to do a sign and trade for him. Uh, they'll take anything that they can get at this point in time. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about Spencer. He's never been a great three-point shooter. But he's he, not he's declined his player option. I want You said exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he declined it, Tom. He declined it. Oh. He's, he's an unrestricted free agent. Right. Which was, um, un- 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 he should have yeah, taken his yeah. player option. Thanks for correcting that. So he's an unrestricted free agent, which means that he has to be signed and traded. Um, the one thing I, I, I did do like two things about him, three things actually. One, that he wants to come to the Lakers. He wants to go to LA. Secondly, I like the fact that he has a four to one assist to turnover ratio. Um, that's That's probably as good as Chris Paul's and tops on the list of point guards and the Lakers have a turnover problem. You know, that's always been one of their vulnerabilities. Uh, the other thing I like about it is that he takes 6.33s per game. Now he's only hitting 30.8% of them, which is not great, but at least he's not afraid to shoot. I felt there were definitely times where KCP and Alex Caruso pair of 40.3 point shooters that the Lakers have only take like four per game and and it's almost impossible to get them to shoot uh it's only a last resort where the ball is passed to them and nobody else and everybody else is open is covered and they're wide open that they take those shots so i I could see dinwiddie being you know maybe you know if i had to rank all of these players as to who i would like to see on the lakers probably it's kyle lowry number one um i would probably say Lonzo Ball, number two, and uh, probably Dinwiddie, number three, because if they're looking for a playmaker, if they're seriously going to move LeBron to the four, play him more off of the ball, and give the reins of the offense to a, quote, difference-making playmaker, Spencer Dinwiddie could be that guy. So he'd probably just moved up to third on my list despite the shooting. But I think you would have to match him you would have to match him with somebody who is like a Buddy Heald or somebody like that at the two guard in order to get the quality of shooting in order to cover for it. Your two and three positions would definitely have to be 40% three-point shooters. Yep. Yeah, yep. there's no way. And I don't know if Dinwiddie's going to have much left on defense after an ACL. Um, I, he's had two ACLs. Remember, he's had two yeah, ACLs. No, he came back pretty good from the first one, but he's, he's older now, and, you know, I – I don't know. You know, I like Spencer Dinwiddie. Again, the only real path I see him coming here is if he takes our uh, 975 MLE and hard caps us. Um, 
I, I, I just don't see I, – I, I know the Mark Stein newsletter has kind of, you know, influenced things in a way – and I feel like it's influenced things in an overly impactful way. It's one source that's not really even a guy who's active in the NBA anymore. He's like at home and like, oh, this is what I think, you know. And I'm not saying he doesn't ha- – he has no inside sources or he has no extra knowledge and has completely disconnected himself from his journalistic roots, but – it's not like this is stuff. It's not like you saw this retweeted ad infinitum like some of these other rumors that come. It's also out. not like you saw anybody contradict it though, too, Jamie. There hasn't been a single. Nobody spends nobody spends time contradicting things publicly on the internet anymore. Nobody. Well, well, well that Mark Stein guy is way out of line. That's just not going to happen. That's on the, Twitter. I mean, everybody's contradicted everything on Twitter. Well, I don't do. I don't. It's, that's, you know. That's like yeah, saying. I mean, I, and yet <laughs> I'm still got my fingers and toes and eyes crossed that it'll happen. I know. Well, I don't I, believe I, I, it I, until I see it. I won't believe it until well, I see well, it. Well, didn't we, I, I just I don't believe it up an ACL. It's going to be hard to, yeah. for me to believe that it's, he's going to have enough for what you're going to pay for him. Cause I, he's, he's gone on record. He's gone on his podcast. He's gone on a whole bunch of outlets. He's, he wants to get paid. Right, and yep. for him to make the kind of demands that he wants at his level, he's not Kevin Durant. And the thing is, we're not sure where he's at physically, and he already comes with a lot of flaws in his game already. It's been even over though, a like year. Said, it's been well. It's been over a year since he tore that Achilles, though. No, the so ACL. He, ACL. I think it's been like sixteen months or something like that. So no, he, he should. He be... did it in December. He did yeah, it in he, December. December? Yeah, it's it's been about nine months. Um, he did it early. He did it early in this past season. Yeah, yeah, not in the bubble. He did it early in this past season because remember mm. in the bubble he played very well in the bubble, and I think right. that's what a lot of people are trying to remember him from. Right. And the assisted turnover ratio is correct. That's a great great way to great go ahead and play. And if you do want to go ahead and give the ball more to a guard as opposed to in LeBron's hand, that would be a good direction. But uh, you do need to stick some shooters around him. So if you do yeah. high, if you do bring him on, you're going to have to bring some shooters around him, or it's really going to be ugly from there. But yeah, and, and still, even even in his best dreams, he ain't a forty-four million dollar guy. You know. Yeah, well, he's that's so what he's looking at. It opens up a lot of room if you don't have to pay forty-four million for your point guard. Let's run down the two Indiana guards, one of who – actually, both I would have great interest. I would love the fact if Malcolm Brogdon and T.J. McConnell would end up on being on the Lakers. I mean, T.J. McConnell is not going to be someone that starts for you, but my gosh, the man who – I think if he did not lead the league in steals, came very close to doing so yeah. because he was – per minute, he is, I think, the highest steal man in the NBA. So watch your hands if you're out there. You know, he's going to pickpocket you. I mean, his numbers don't go off the charts, but as a playmaker, a, a guy who can create for others, he is tremendous at it. Six assists in limited minutes. Plus, you have also the fact that he can go ahead and be a really solid playmaker for you. Shooting-wise, still, again, you have a situation where he's not much better than Dinwiddie, so that's going to be an issue. I think as well, someone... He, he also won't shoot is the problem. Yeah. Dinwiddie will take six threes a game, McConnell averages uh, he less than one three even per average one per game. Yeah, yeah but, I, but this comes back. Shoot. This comes back. No, I, I, that's not that's not the argument. The argument is: is he shooting it whenever he can, or is he taking smart shots? And I would argue that Dinwiddie takes more bad shots than smart well, shots, but and see, McConnell is, probably takes more smart shots. I don't and I'm agreeing with Jamie in this sense. You take a look. Okay, the fact he does only take less than one three point a game. But look at the fact on the field goal percentage. His field goal percentage is 56%. Yeah. 
So it's he's ridiculous. taking the shots he's taking are <laughs> yeah. smart ones. For a so, guy, that's ridiculous. Because <laughs> he and that's someone who knows his range, who knows what he can do out there on the floor. But as someone yes. who would be your smart, your starting point no. guard, I don't, I'm not into it. But as someone who'd be off the first guard off your bench, I would be very much interested in TJ McConnell. I could He'd tell be you a right great now. backup point guard for any absolutely, team. and he provides you the hustle that you need. You know, if you lose Caruso and Caruso gets overpaid somewhere and you lose him, picking up TJ McConnell, I would take that as far as uh, as far as what you can do because you can try to get more shooters around him and the rest of the Lakers. And if having him as a gritty guy coming off the bench that will give you the hustle, that will give you the defense you need and make the smart plays, I like T.J. McConnell indeed. And second on that list of Indiana guards is Malcolm Brogdon. And Laker Tom, I, I this guy I'm really high on. He didn't do the 50-40-90 like he did in the previous season, but come on, 45% for overall from the field, not too bad. Almost 40% from three. He did take seven, which is meets always your criteria. He almost took seven a game at 38.8%. And assist to turnover ratio is not super, but it is on the higher end of what you're asking for from the guys that you have available there at 2.8. So for me, at 21.7 a year, because he's not a free agent, he is still under contract. So you'd have to do some type of trade scenario for there. I think Malcolm Brogdon, as I've said already several times on this show, to me would be a great option. You're on mute. You're on mute, Laker Tom. I don't know if that's the best thing for the Lakers podcast. Right. It might be, but uh, Laker Tom, you're on Tom, mute. Tom, you're muted. Unmute. I will say, I will say this. Uh, I would put McConnell and Caruso in the same backup backcourt and be quite happy with the defense that you're getting off the bench. I know yeah. everybody will disagree with me. Well, no, Malcolm Brogdon would that's be a good defensive a great starting point guard. But Laker yeah. Tom, go ahead. Um, he's not flashy. No, no you know, I've, I've long, to me, I've long wanted to get Brogdon and, and Turner from in, in the uh, from the Pacers. Oh, that would be awesome. And it, and it frankly, it frankly surprises me that that I mean, I can understand that Turner is a conflict with with in, with playing Sabonis. with Sabonis, but Brogdon, I don't know why they want to get rid of Brogdon. It's just it just really perplexes he's me not because he's not flashy. He to me, he's a type of guy that's going to hit for you in the he's clutch. The best, he's the best available point guard that we could trade for, frankly. Yeah, hundred percent. Makes a reasonable 100%. salary. And can do the job, you know. I mean, and and there have been many times when my priorities have said, "Okay, Lakers, you try to trade for Brogdon. If you can't trade for Brogdon, then you go inside, sign and trade yourself for Lowry or Alonzo." He yeah. plays decent defense, and that's that's probably yeah. where that's probably where I end up with as far as what I would do at the point guard spot. Because if you can trade for him at twenty one, at twenty one, he is just a, a steal. Yeah. A steal. Yeah, uh, he, and he's very, got a year left on his contract too. You he know? reminds me of someone that's going to be there, very solid for you, but someone who's right. not afraid of the moment and is going to hit it's just you. The, the only thing that bothers me is why in the hell are they want to trade the guy? Doesn't make he's sense. He's not flashy. He's he and they, but, they, but Indiana's not flashy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he's also someone that is not he. What he's 26, 27, so he's he's still in the prime of his career. So that'd be be a great yeah. sign. I mean, I think they're you would have a different look and a different dynamic than you did with Dennis Schroeder, but I think it would be a better one. Oh, he's a much better player than Schroeder. I mean, oh. I, I wanted the Lakers. I was, I was screaming for the Lakers to go after him 
but he was coming he off that 40 90 season so yeah. i don't think anybody was going to go ahead and get him because the fact that people were just so enamored with that, that those numbers they fell down a little bit but my gosh he's still right around that range and i i'd love to have him on the lakers that's for sure yeah no agree we're signaling the ref for a quick timeout but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough, though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out of it. Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars, click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, we're going to get back to the draft. And once again, it's the Lakers fast break in this extended episode for you. So we're going to go ahead to our next picks right here, starting with number 15. If I could bring that up on the screen right now, coming right up for you here at that number 15, we are going to look at, and that is the Washington Wizards have Jaden Springer guard out of Tennessee really solid guard. I mean, he is the less heralded of the Tennessee guards coming out. But as someone who can shoot 43 from three, good free throw shooter, and a pretty good aggressive defensive mindset, I think he could be a very solid pick for Washington as someone, as a team that really needs any kind of defensive help. And if he could do that and provide that from the guard spot, backing up Bradley Beal, I think that would be awesome. And someone maybe could play off of Bradley Beal if Russell Westbrook is not there. But I think he could be a very solid addition for Washington For Washington, if they can't find a big man or somebody at the wing that they really like. Because I know they need more front court help than they do back court help. But he, I think for the, them, that would be the best player scenario for them, if that's the case, at number 15. At number 14 is if they keep the pick, Golden State is going to need someone who wins now in their mentality with the guys that they have there. And who better right now as a win now player than Chris Duarte, who is 24 years old, who will be close to 25 on draft night. And basically what he can do for you is he's an already made player and he shoots. This is something that goes back to what we're talking about as far as smart shooting with TJ McConnell at Oregon. He shot 53% overall from the field, but 42% from three. So he can actually bring great shooting, Overall, smart shooting, very good as far as the steals because he averaged over two steals a game at Oregon. But his age is going to be, a you know, which was once thought of to be a detriment and why he was a little bit farther down in the first round. He's been rising up in the past couple weeks but because people realize that they are, if they're a team that are contending for a playoff spot or higher, that he's a player that can come off the bench or maybe play even a starting spot with a rotational thing in mind and be a key contributor right away or sooner rather than later. So Chris Duarte comes up at 14 for Golden State. 
That's if they keep the pick because they've been heavily rumored to go ahead and trade their picks and offer that for either an established star or something higher in the draft. Indiana Pacers coming up next at 13th. They would be looking at, for me, Moses Moody, freshman out of Arkansas. Great thing about him, he represents what I think will be a very solid 3 and D player. Good shooter from the outside, 40% close to it, and also very good for the free throw line. And then his defensive length that he has, about, I think about 7-1, I think is his reach. So for a 6-6 shooting guard slash small forward from the wing, he could be that 3 and D wing a lot of teams are looking for, and I expect him to go somewhere in the lottery, back half of the lottery most likely, and Indiana Pacers at 13th. At number 12 is someone who's gone down a little bit on my charts and could go down a lot further, and that's Keon Johnson, also from Tennessee. Like we mentioned earlier, the other half of that vaunted duo from Tennessee. And the, not, and the reason is, uh, you know, he's had some very shaky uh, performances in front of uh, teams at these private workouts in the past couple of weeks. And a lot of it is due to his very questionable jump shot. He shot 27% from the outside at Tennessee, but his athleticism, he's the most athletic individual in the draft. He's got, I think he broke a record at the NBA draft combine for standing vertical leap. So he just got freakish athleticism. So if he stays up this high, it's based off of that. But his offensive game has had him going out of what people were thinking were eight, seven. They were thinking of him in that, that range. And he's falling in a lot of people's eyes because of the fact that they're worried about his shot, that it might be broken and it might not be able to be fixed. And at number 11, Lakers fans know Mo Wagner because we tra- <laughs> we actually drafted him. His brother, Franz Wagner, comes in at number 11 for the Charlotte Hornets. And he, I think, first off, he is better than his brother. Yeah, uh, He's a very well-rounded player. His shot could improve, but it, it's probably going to be average and it's probably going to be acceptable enough but the thing he does well is he can he can defend he can go ahead and play a lot on either a three four position and he can definitely do what you need to do as far as from a playmaking secondary playmakers are are really something that a lot of teams are looking at now and at someone who from the wing position can can really have a knack for passing and you know just really has a knack for filling out the block score in a lot of other areas outside of scoring, he can really do that for you. And I see Franz Wagner doing very well at the next level. I see if he doesn't go to the Kings at nine, I think he falls just a little bit more to the Charlotte Hornets at 11. So that's what I have so far, guys, as we'll head into the top 10 here in a bit. But we're going to get back to finish off a little bit more of your list, Tom. So it's my list versus Tom's list today on the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate you joining us. And we're going to go ahead and get into Tom's list a little bit more here coming up. And, Tom, next on your list, we have, as I see right here. Scroll on by. Just scroll I'm scrolling on by. on by right now. <laughs> your wonderful Dennis Schroeder is next on your list. And I, I really think that both sides at this point in time are done with each other. I think if De- the Lakers do sign, it'll be either as a last resort or a sign-and-trade. But your thoughts on Dennis Schroeder at this point in time for the Lakers as an option? I think you're right. You hit it right on the nail, Gerald, that both sides are kind of done with each other. Yeah. Um, Dennis wants to start. 
wants a bigger role, doesn't want to be the guy, doesn't want to share it with LeBron, if you will, to a certain extent. And the Lakers obviously don't feel like he's the, quote, difference-making playmaker that they were looking for. Um, he still is struggling to get to a two-to-one two to one, uh, assist-to-turnover ratio. His three-point shooting is not up to par. It showed that last year was really an outlier. And frankly, he really should be a sixth man. <laughs> you know, that was really the perfect role for him, and it would be better off for him to go to a team that he would play that role. And I think instead he's going to chase the money and go to a team where he gets a chance to play more and where he can be more of a, more of a team leader rather than a role player. And I'm not so sure that he has the skill set to really accomplish that. Well, there you go. Could have said it better myself. Again, if yeah, I like Dennis, Dennis, it's his mentality, his aggressiveness. I said it throughout the season, but I don't think he's a perfect fit on the Lakers. I think it's, and especially with what's been said and intimated, over the past couple of weeks, it yeah, looks the like problems Dennis with Kuzma and, and the chemistry of the team. Yeah, infighting between those two, rumored on that, and well, Kuzma might be gone anyway, so that yeah, be, they're both going to be gone. Yeah, so Dennis Schroeder is someone who we don't think will stay, but if he is signed by the Lakers, look for him to be part of a sign and trade. Would be the most likely scenario if he does end up being on the Lakers team. It will probably be because Dennis Schroeder is the last available option for the Lakers. So look for that. And I'm well, not going to let him walk if they can't sign and trade him. Yeah, yeah. Well, that could that could be a possibility as well. I, I just, think that would, again, yeah, I don't think Dennis uh, wants to stay in the Lakers, and I don't think the Lakers want Dennis either. So, but as the mayor of the Lonzo Ball fan club, and <laughs> you know, I know that Jamie, <laughs> Mister Laker Tom is you know has a. Lonzo Ball poster up there, but I already know what Lonzo Ball is to Laker Tom. He's already mentioned on this show that he's the number one choice or number two choice number two. out there after Kyle Lowry. Your thoughts on Lonzo Ball? Again, you know, he's improved to the point where he's become a pretty good shooter. 38% from three. Still going to the hole is still an adventure for him. And it's not because of free throw shooting anymore, because his free throw shooting is now close to an 80% free throw shooter. But yeah. You know, he's not someone who's going to be able to penetrate and drive. But then again, on the Lakers, he wouldn't really have to do that much, right. even though Dennis Schroeder did a lot of that. But he could just be on the outside for you on that. So let me hear your thoughts. Good team defender. I've always lauded him, his role for that. He's someone who always has an eye uh, and a very sharp eye as far as, you know, playing off of his man and making the play on someone else that, that he's got, not guarding and, just someone that I think has a great vision that's out there. He can obviously take it, put it up the court. You know, if somebody's streaking, I've really emphasized that this team needs, needs to get back to a transition game. That's something that they didn't have this past season. I think that was part of the reason why they had the demise that they had, but your thoughts on Lonzo ball coming back to the Lakers. You know, uh, I've always, I've always liked Lonzo ball. I thought magic Johnson made his life exponentially harder by dumping a brick ton of pressure on him before he even put on his Jersey. Um, and that didn't ever do him any favors. And I think, you know, the way he came into the, the league didn't do him any favors, you know, with all the family stuff and the Facebook stuff and the, your own brand. And then his, you know, somebody stealing from the, all of it just, just like, I think going to a team like New Orleans really allowed him to press reset both on his uh, business, personal, and NBA life. And it was it's done a lot for, for, for his game. 
Uh, it's amazing how you, how you play better basketball when your mind is less cluttered with, uh, with BS. Um, uh, you know, so that's, I, I think Lonzo would be a fine fit on the Lakers. I don't see a really good path for him to become a Laker. Um, unless he's only willing, I, I just don't see a good path. I mean, the most money he can make is with New Orleans. Um, he seems to fit in well with Zion, maybe even a little better than uh, Brandon Ingram does. So I wouldn't actually be surprised if they kept ball with the intention of maybe trading Ingram later in the season uh, for somebody who fits in a little better along Zion. I think that actually makes a lot more sense for New Orleans um, because Zion's going to need – Zion isn't LeBron in terms of his playmaking. He can make plays and he should have the ball in his hands a lot, but you're going to need somebody like Lonzo who can get going on the break, get others involved on the break, get guys easy buckets on the run, which is exactly why he would fit in well with the Lakers. Uh, I thought – I agree with the idea that we had a, a very plodding offense last year. Um, partially I think that was due to the quick turnaround and guys were just gassed from the get-go. Uh, Injuries. But – Injury, all of it. But uh, I I don't see an easy way for Alonzo to become a Laker that doesn't make it really hard to improve the team around him. Because uh, I don't see New Orleans, include, if they do sign and trade him for, say, Schroeder, right? A straight-up sign and trade for both at 20-ish mil for Schroeder makes a lot of sense on paper. Uh, but then you're kind of stuck with that team. Like, that's, that's, that's the team, and there's not a lot of wiggle room after that uh, to improve it greatly. And is Alonzo that – is he that dynamic that that 20 mil is the best – that's the right question. Is that the best use of that $20 million? I'm not so certain that it is. So uh, I don't I don't really see a way for him to become a Laker. Um, and it goes back to the Reggie Bullock thing, you know, once bitten, twice shy. I don't know that Lonzo's really excited about coming back to a team that put all this pressure on him, you know, made his life hard from the beginning and that he didn't have a lot of success on uh, before. And, you know, everybody, it's so funny. Whenever somebody from L.A. is like, ready to sign a contract or mentions wanting to be treated, suddenly they want to come home. Uh, even if it's like Palmdale or, you know, <laughs> Calabasas. Home or, is a wide, <laughs> hot, widespread word. Right, yeah, it's, it's just like... LA uh, County is the biggest county in the country. <laughs> well, and also, who always wants to go home? Like, like, why do you want... What's so great about going home? Like, you left home at some point. Like, well, <laughs> you know... You don't see guys wanting to go home to Detroit, for example, or... Minneapolis, right. the way you do to Los Angeles, it's but they, a little but, different. But 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 to New York, right? So it's only yeah. like big cosmopolitan. But they don't live in those cities. Nobody. So this is the thing. Like I find all of that to be completely overblown on a routine basis. Uh, and really, uh, they all have houses in LA if they want. They all make enough money to buy property in LA if they want. We're talking about you know a few months out of the year that they're not in their home. So. At at worst, so you know, like I'm sure New, I'm sure Lonzo isn't stuck in New Orleans going. I wonder what's going on in Los Angeles right now. Yeah, it's, it's just not. It's just that's not how they live. So, all of that I find to be way overblown. The uh, oh, they're from L.A. They, certainly, they must want to return. Uh, that that never really. I I don't know. That's never had, held much water with me. So I would love Lonzo Ball, like many players, I would love Lonzo Ball to come back to the Lakers for the right price, which is probably a price lower than they want to play for the Lakers for. So, I just don't see an easy way for him to come come to the team. All right, last one on the list for now. We'll head back to it. It's going to be the first of two prospective guards from the Charlotte Hornets area, and that is Devontae Graham, who I think will probably be the more gettable of the two Charlotte guards. Devontae Graham is a very – well, actually, he was a very solid rookie, actually a very promising rookie, but 
did have to come off the bench because of the growth and maturity very quickly by Mr. Ball, LaMelo Ball. Not Lonzo Ball, but LaMelo Ball. So I want to hear your thoughts, Laker Tom and Devontae Graham. Uh, didn't do too much beyond the arc. Uh, I mean, I'm 30, 38% from the arc. Didn't too much do too much inside the arc, which is a kind of concern because of the fact that he looks like someone, if that's the case, he was a little bit more aggressive with an 84% free throw shooting, could could made his life a lot easier. But his 3.6 assisted turnover ratio is obviously very attractive. So I want to hear your thoughts on Devontae Graham. Well, I'd like to first add just a quick comment on Lonzo Ball. Oh, you know um, it. <laughs> you know, Lonzo, I happen to think Lonzo and the Lakers are made for each other because Lonzo has Lonzo has some real problems with respect to his ability to run the pick and roll and his ability to attack the basket. But he's corrected his free throw shooting. He's corrected his three-point shooting. And the one thing that he really has over Schroeder, for example, aside from the three-point shooting is his and the ability to run the fast break is his defensive versatility. He can really guard one, two, and three. And one, a of six, the six Lakers, one of the problems the Lakers have had is that KCP and Schroeder are basically can't guard anybody who's bigger than them. Uh, they have to go to West Matthews if they need, you know, somebody who's got the feistiness to handle a larger player. So, you know, I, I think there could be a real smart move for Lonzo to come back to L.A., and I would probably be willing to give him Shooter in the first-round draft pick, especially since Gerald is predicting that all of the guys I want are going to be gone. And time. unfortunately, all the guys I really want will be gone as well. I mean, you know, which makes me more more say, well, let's 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 give let's give the uh, let's give the uh, well, it's something that's Pelicans, correcting let's itself, give the Pelicans Tom, a little sweetener to, to to make the deal work. Well, what I'm hearing now, I mean, there was the initial people were so infatuated with uh, athleticism and yeah. other things outside of shooting. And then when it comes down to it, as we're getting closer and closer to the draft and we're hearing more of these rumors and we're hearing more of these insights and we're seeing more analysts project the stuff out, I'm seeing shooting coming back to the forefront, something well, which I think you're also I think you're also absolutely right about your interpretation that the league has gotten more win now, you know, and the reason is the play-in tournament, because now all of a sudden you got a whole another four teams on each side that are now have a motive to get better, yeah, to get some playoff experience for their young people, to get some playoff revenue. Um, I think that's changed this whole dynamic. And I think also we've been seeing a tendency for shorter contracts, more player movement. Everybody's expecting this particular Free season to off season to be one of the wildest amounts of trades that we've ever seen, and a continuation of the two years that we've seen a huge increase in sign and trades. The teams have made more money than they thought they were going to make. You know, um, they've got these extra spots where they can go into, and COVID is over. You know, and oh, fans are going to be hungry that. to do those things. Um, I don't know about that. You know. So let me go on with the Devontae Graham thing, because I think he is really a wild card that I love. Uh, I would ask one add, add one last thing on Lonzo. The latest word from the Pelicans is they're moving on from Lonzo. Unless um, Zion asks it to. If right. Zion comes to them because they want to keep Zion, if Zion yep. tells them otherwise, they'll, they'll go after him. But again, that is uh, Lonzo Ball and then Devontae Graham. 
what's going on with Laker Tom, I'm not sure, but Devontae Graham is uh, out there and someone that could be of great interest for the team. But we'll head on back to more of Laker Tom's choices here in a minute, and we'll go ahead to finish off the top 10. Well, actually, we'll go ahead with the next five, which is getting into the top 10 here on the Lakers Fast Break of my Lakers Fast Break Mock Draft 5.0, and we'll get into that coming up here as we speak. But, Jamie, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're not a draft guy per se, but have you been, you know, since the season has ended for the Lakers, has you have you gone to – any more lengths to go ahead and find out more about who you think the Lakers might be covering for this year's draft? Uh, I have a little bit more. Definitely. Uh, I've read, I've, I've checked on both you and Raphael's posts and uh, videos, which I find very informational and entertaining. Uh, so if anybody gets a chance to check those out, definitely make check, carve out a chunk of your lunch break and check them out. Um, I, I actually, a couple of your guys who you had going a little lower, uh, I want to say uh, 28. I forget exactly the name uh, uh, Cunningham. Um, I liked, I like, I like him as a pick. I mean, the thing with the Lakers draft pick is uh, it's either going to get traded or it's going to be a guy who's going to struggle to play. He's going to struggle to find minutes on, you know, behind the talent level that we got, unless they're ready to go. Uh, which is why I'm, I really hope Duarte is available for us, but the, the more time goes by, the less likely that seems to be, uh, to be because a reality. Skill is, is now being coveted. It's now turned to what I was hoping that would be. And that was skill. It's less on potential and athleticism. It's more right. on what can you do for me now to right. get things done. And as we see, skill is now coming at a premium. We're seeing a lot of skilled players now really valued in the league even more. Specialists are becoming more and more important to, to, the, to the league. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what that's going to be offering. I think it's uh, for a lot of these teams, it's a step in the right direction that they don't base everything off of potential that it, just because a guy can jump out of the, out of the gym that right. he's going to be able to translate that into the NBA because we've seen so many times where that's not been the case. But then again, we, you know, the, the draft in and of itself is a crapshoot. So Correct. yeah, it's something that a lot of teams have to go ahead and consider that a lot of these players are not going to have a productive career in the NBA or at least a right. good percentage of them. So We need to keep that in mind as well as we go ahead and continue the mock draft. But number 10, falling down on the list that he's been on, because a lot of, at first, you know, his great performance in the NCAA tournament had him skyrocketing up to people as far as seven. And he was there for quite a bit as the first Golden State pick. But in recent weeks, a lot of people are shying away from him because of his age and saying maybe late lottery would be a better choice for Davion Mitchell. If that's the case, you're going to get someone who is a little bit undersized, and he's not, even though he's often compared to, he is not Donovan Mitchell. But but I will say that he's going to be as someone as a combo guard that can do play both positions, even though, again, he is smaller, but he could excel in the league. Or I'm not going to say he's going to be like a Damian Lillard or a C.J. McCollum or someone like that, a Kemba Walker who has – played well and scored well in the NBA at a smaller size. I think he'll be someone that's going to give you a nice contribution either as a six man off the bench or someone as a fourth or fifth starter that can really do something for you because he plays great defense and at 44% on three from college, he's going to be a, a lights out shooter, I think at the next level. So he's going to be someone that is going to give you a lot of intangibles there. I think, 
that's something that a lot of people need to go ahead and remember. So I don't see him falling out of the lottery, but I see do see him right around that the teens area. And if New Orleans and its situation with Lonzo Ball gets a little bit hairier and dicier and they don't get a lot of good feelers by Thursday on where Lonzo Ball is going to be heading or if they have a replacement in mind, you could see them pick up a point guard or someone who can play the guard position and be a little bit of a stress relief for Zion because they need shooters around Zion. And Davion Mitchell is probably one of the best shooters in the draft at number 10 for New Orleans. Number nine coming up right now. As you see on the screen there, we've got on our live feed, Alperin Sengun is going to be coming up next. I think if Franz Wagner falls from the Kings, where he was prospected to go for many months now, I, th- I think Alperin Sengun is going to be a fast riser. I think a lot of people are in love with him. He was the MVP of the Turkish League, and a lot of people have a lot of respect for the Turkish Leagues and what he did there. Analytically, he is popping off the charts. And for someone at 6'10", who can play that small ball of five and, and play a little bit of the four, they think as a playmaker, as someone who can be someone that can really do some good things, outside shot is still in question. But as a pick-and-roll guy who can actually pass the ball really well, I think someone is going to be very happy with Alperin Sengun as someone who can do a very good job for you inside and also outside, uh, you know, a little bit on the outside as well as a playmaker, but someone who's going to be good on both sides of the ball at number nine for Sacramento. At number eight, it's the first of two picks we're going to be talking about for the Orlando Magic, and they just need help all over. They're just a team in disarray. Jamie, I mean, this is a team that has had bad luck, has had bad drafts, has had bad trades in the past five years. They've just been bad, and this is a team that was just doing the best that they could to go ahead and get to the first round of the playoffs just to get swept or win one game. And they finally realized that they're really not a very good team. And they're now doing what they can to go ahead and try and rebuild from there. And one of the ways they can do that is with a point guard. I mean, they have point guards and Foles and Johnson. And, you know, they they have, uh, you know, I'm assuming uh, Foles and Anthony. And those guys really aren't going to get it done as a a high-level start in the NBA. And if they're going to reach on somebody – I think they're going to reach on Josh Giddy because he is a playmaker deluxe, someone who's going to just dazzle people with passes and, and the vision that he has. 6'8", so he can see over whoever he's playing off of. Yeah. Can he get the shot going above what we see at, at right now in the Australian League where he shot 31%? That still remains to be seen, but a lot of people have seen him in workouts, and he's done pretty good, so... He has the vision. I don't want to say he's LaMelo Ball type vision coming in there, but if he can keep his own on the defensive end, I think he's going to be a very good starter in the league. So you could see someone, I think, in the long lines of a taller Ricky Rubio in regards Mm -hmm. to someone who, yeah, he doesn't have the greatest shot in the world, but my gosh, he has a lot of great vision and can be a good starter in the league for many years. So Josh Giddy is certainly an option for the Orlando Magic there at number eight. At number seven, For Golden State, again, this is a pick I don't expect them to keep. And if they do keep it, it's like with the Lakers at number 22. If they keep the, you know, if it goes to the the opening of the season and the the Golden State Warriors, like the Lakers, end up keeping their pick, 
That means they couldn't get a better trade. That means they couldn't get an offer that they liked. That means they couldn't get it done as far as an offer for an established player that might be able to help them a lot sooner rather than later. Now, that's the case, and they are going to pick. James Booknight has been skyrocketing up the charts. People have just been raving about him in workouts. They think he's really going to be something at a, a score at the next level as someone who can be able to put the ball in the basket. He's potentially a great defender with a seven-foot wingspan for a shooting guard at 6'5". It's, it's outstanding. They really think that even though he struggled with his under 30% from three, they're seeing his form. He shot free throws well, so they're translating that to hopefully progressing the league as a three-point shooter. So Book Knight is a name that's become very hot amongst the analysts and trends out there. So I see James Book Knight going up to number seven for Golden State. If they're not trading it to somewhere else, then they're probably going to see if they can go ahead and mix him in with the great guards that they have there in Golden State. And that scenario that they're looking out for right there. Number six is Jonathan Kaminga for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And again, with Oklahoma City, I said it before, they're going a lot off potential. And no one has more raw potential right now coming into the draft than Jonathan Kaminga. He was in the G League bubble, started off really hot, kind of faded from there. But people love the fact that he has that raw potential as a three and, you know, I don't know if three and D is going to be the case because he struggled a little bit from the outside. But someone who's going to be that athletic wing that a lot of these teams covet. So Jonathan Kamingo, who was once just as set as could be as one of the five individuals that were going to be in the top five when it was just thought of to be just a top five at the, at the NBA draft right now, still doesn't fall too far, but still looks to be someone that's going to probably be a project for Oklahoma city at number six. So let's get into the last few choices that, Mr. Laker Tom, now that he's back with us, we're going to go ahead and stop uh, that screen right there. We're going to go ahead and share once again the Laker Tom possible choices and possible Laker target targets. So let's go ahead and do so right now before we head on out. And the last three I have for you on here. First up, Laker Tom is Kemba Walker, someone who was recently traded from Boston, I guess. And I feel bad for the kid in the fact that he wanted to go to Boston, signed a free agent contract to go over to Boston, and really wanted to be a part of that organization's future. After a couple of flameouts in the playoffs and a knee injury, he was subsequently discarded as soon as the head coach moved up into the office spot, the GM spot, subsequently traded Kemba Walker because I have a feeling he is very aware of what his, the status of his knee is. But Kemba Walker is now sitting in Oklahoma City. We don't know if he's going to start the season. We don't know if he's going to play the season. He's got a lot of knee injuries, but could be someone that the Lakers could pick up on the cheap if possible. Um, yeah, my apologies. My uh, I was running without plugging my laptop in and it ran out of gas. Um, I'd like to go back to uh, the guy that I think is more important than those three guys that are left, which is Devontae Graham. Um, I, I, I love I, how we just go ahead. We're on to a new section and he goes back to the old. Well, because it's, I think there's something to be said about Devonte Graham. Uh, not only is he a volume three point shooter, um, takes 8.7 threes per game, shoots them to 37.5%, has a 3.6 assist to turnover ratio. Um, and he's, he's the kind of guy that we could probably, uh, what makes it really interesting is that the Hornets have coveted, Montrez Harrell 
and we're hoping to sign him as a free agent with the cap space they have. So they really like Harrell a lot. And there was talks with the Lakers about Harrell last season. Uh, if Harrell actually decides to take that player option and accept it and opt in to the Lakers, he is a logical trade for to the Harlot to the Charlotte Hornets uh, for uh, Devontae Graham, and I think Graham would be a perfect point guard for the Lakers. I know he said Harlot, but I think he. Said Charlotte, so <laughs> I, I love that. Charlotte. Apologies to everyone out there. Uh, I like. I prefer the Harlot Hornets. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're going to keep it family friendly here. As for as for Kemba Walker, you hate to you hate to bring in a guy who was injured like he was and who was really hunted in the playoffs by every team that the Celtics faced. Yep. I've never been a fan of small guards, but give me, you know, give me somebody like Kyle Lowry or or Fred Van Bleet who, you know, are Tough little guys that aren't going to give an inch to anybody. Damn you! Um, even Dennis, even Dennis Schroeder fits that mold. That he's he's a tough little he's a tough little dog. Um, so I, I don't think you're interested in Kemba. I think Derek Rose is going to. Well, hold Jamie on. That's I, our next. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. See, I'm trying to set this up as best I can. All right. So I thought you were asking about all three of them. But no, I wanted. Have you not been listening to the show? We're doing this no, one he, at no, a he time, hasn't. one at a one at a one. Okay. I mean, it's not like we're doing this in a hurry because we're already an hour and 38 minutes in, so God forbid. <laughs> but Derek Rose is the next choice. And yes, I mean, to see how he's totally evolved as a player from what he once was in his MVP years, he's totally transformed what he does. And how he shoots. I mean, my gosh, he, someone who at the time, even when he was an MVP player, was someone who was ridiculed for his shooting prowess, has totally turned around, has become so much of a better player all around at this stage of his career, in my opinion, even better than what I think he was playing at MVP. Although he's not playing anywhere the minutes or making the kind of contribution that he was for the Chicago Bulls, I still think in a limited role for the Lakers as a either a six-man coming off the bench or something like that, could really do a number. He's not obviously as quick as he once was, but still, someone that shot 41% from something. If you look at his stats, if you go ahead and get his basketball card and you look at his stats from the three-point line from what it was 10 years ago, it's going to be outstanding as far as the difference is concerned. So, Jamie, before Tom talks about Derrick Rose, <laughs> you know he's already going to talk about Derrick Rose. I mean, I think this would be a great choice. I'm not sure if I'd start him, but you might not have a choice with, with the limited options that are out there and available. I'd definitely start Rose if he was on the Lakers. I think that's almost the only way you could get him to come over here. I, I think he's his strongest team to return to is the Knicks. Uh, I think he really likes playing for Thibodeau. I think he fits in with that culture. He was their best performer in the playoffs. Uh, I don't. The have, this is twice now. Once no. with Minnesota and now with <laughs> New York. He's done this with under Thibodeau. Uh, I don't think it's an accident. No, I don't. So I don't think so either. I think they've both grown, and it's like Monty Williams and Chris Paul, right? Like sometimes you don't realize how the coach that you, that you have a good relationship with your coach until you get you you start playing under a different coach, and you're like, well, hold on a minute. <laughs> Life was so much better under Thibodeau. Sure, practice was terrible, but at least I respect the guy. I know he's being honest with me, whatever it is. Uh, you know, uh, things that we're not privy to as the, as the public as to why it works between two people in the professional basketball world. Um, I would 
love Derek Rose on the Lakers. He's my first pick uh, because he's both affordable and impactful, can play on the ball, can play off the ball, isn't looking to like, again, like I think that's why he fit in so well with New York. He didn't come to New York expecting to be the best player on the team. He was perfectly happy letting Julius Randle, uh, you know, do Julius Randle things, you know, setting up Reggie Bullock for open threes, scoring when he needed to. And the reason I think his, his percentages has gone up as a score is that he's gone from I'll take the shot to am I taking a smart shot? And that's a veteran thing. It's why Chris Paul's as good as he is. Uh, and a lot of these guys who are elite point guards are as good as they are is because they've allowed the game to slow down and they, they read better than they used to rather than react better. Um, and so I would love him. I don't, again, it's, I, I don't see why the Knicks would let him walk. I think because they have cap space, they could just say, well, here's like 2 million more than that team's offering. And come on, it's us. Like, let's, let's do this together. And I think that he might have a, you know, he might have a strong predilection to, to just stay where he is. Um, but he's one of my favorite uh, potential Lakers uh, this offseason. Uh, although I, as I've said many times, I don't see a, I don't see him choosing. I don't, rather than us not having a good way to acquire him, I just don't see him choosing us. Laker Tom, this goes back to the often mentioned trade scenario that I made uh, back in, I think, January of 2020 when I suggested him, Markeith Morris, and Christian Wood at the time, who were not, who, Christian Wood and Markeith Morris were bench players, were mm-hmm. playing a limited amount of minutes, and obviously things have changed. Derek Rose was going to be the key to that trade, and we know what happened there in the careers of all three of those gentlemen. One became a world champion. One became a very highly paid star for his team. And one became a valuable contributor for the New York Knicks. So your thoughts on Derrick Rose? I mean, it would be a great thing. The only thing was at his age, would you make him the starter? I think you wouldn't have a choice because I don't think there's going to be able to, the Lakers with their limited salary options are going to be able to put enough individuals in the place that your options are. If you commit to Derrick Rose, I think you're going to have to make him the starter. I'm just not sure it's the best thing. Yeah, I pretty much agree with Jamie. I, I, I think that his best spot probably is New York. And and to Derek's credit, he's never been a ring chaser. You know, he's turned down many opportunities when he was with the Knicks for teams looking to, you know, get him on the cheap and so forth. And, you know, he's a nice fit in that situation. And, and even though he shot 40% from three, only taken, you know, a couple of threes a game. So it's not like it's, you know, it's a, it's a, not That's like not it's a still his game, different. even though he's, yeah, he's, the one, the one big advantage that, see, I look at the Lakers assets, if you will, the assets that they can count on, that they are sure that they can move. And they really have three of them. They have KCP for 13 million. They have Kuzma for 13 million and they have nine and a half million for the, and I'm assuming the taxpayer MLE. So those are where you get the three guys to replace your starters. And of all of these point guards we've talked about, other than TJ McConnell, who everybody acknowledges is really a backup point guard. Rose is really the only guy that we could get among any of these point guards for the MLE. And so there's a big benefit there. If you could get him, you know, he's, he's still only 31 years old, which is really remarkable when you think about it. But he has really reinvented himself completely from from the freakish athlete that he was when he first came in the league. You know, he was just an unbelievable uh, player at that point in time from an athletic standpoint. And now he's he's turned himself. He's done all of the things that a player does 
to re revive his career, to adjust to the game, and and he would be a terrific addition to the Lakers if they could get him. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you on it. I think it'd be a very solid addition indeed. I think if he can get somebody that can contribute that like that, veteran point guard, someone who, who knows what he's doing, someone who knows limitations. Uh, I, I really think that Derek Rose, who really has come around in his career, transformed his career after some horrific injuries. I'm really happy for his success. Like you guys, I think he, his first option is New York, but if he's able to go ahead and be out there and New York, for some reason can't get it done. I think the Lakers would be, you know, Lakers could get off a lot worse than going with Derrick Rose. So I think that's, that's outstanding. And then the last on, not a bit, not necessarily the last individual on, as far as choices are concerned, but the last on the list that we have is another Charlotte guard, Terry Rozier, who is someone that almost shot 39% from the three point area, 45% from the field, a little bit safer within Devonte Graham in that regards. Obviously something that Laker Tom likes, the fact he shot eight threes a game. His assist-to-turnover ratio, he is a little bit on the downside at only 2.2, so that's a little bit of concern there. But he is a traditionally a starting guard, who is someone that I think in the long run for Charlotte is not going to be a starting guard because of the emergence of LaMelo Ball. So I want to hear your thoughts, Tom. I mean, they've got a guard situation in Charlotte they have to take care of because they've also got Malik Monk, who's had some, in the, I guess, bouts of really good basketball shooting at times, but then he gets buried on the bench because they really don't have options because they all have – they have like a, a very talented group, but they also, outside of the middle ball, have a very – a little bit smallerish group. They're like 6'3", 6'4", guards – that they all have a tendency to play in a similar fashion outside of LaMelo. So I want to hear your thoughts on Terry Rozier and his options if he comes to the Lakers. Well, right now, Terry appears to be the guy who's playing shooting guard along with LaMelo. So, and he's not a perfect fit at shooting no. guard. No, but they're the two guards that are getting the minutes, and that's that's made Devontae Graham and, and Malik Monk possibly available. And, and again, I, I go back to the fact that if Harrell – if Harrell opts into taking that last year with the Lakers, um, he's exactly what he's exactly what Charlotte is looking for, and and to go after, I, th I think it'd be an easier get to get Devonte than it would to get Terry because Terry really is the starter at this point in time. But one of the interesting stats about Terry Rozier is that he's one of the two players in the league. If you were to if you were to look at the the points that they points per possession that they create between shots they make and assists that they make. He was one of the top two players in the NBA in creating points per possession. So uh, I'd love to see him on the Lakers. You know, he's obviously the volume, high percentage, high volume three point shooter that I like. Um, so I'd I'd love to get he or Graham. I think Graham is the better point guard and is a little less expensive. Um, of course, Graham is a Graham is, if you look at the chart that you're looking at there, the ones that are in blue happen to be the guys who can be traded for because they're under contract. And the ones that are in red are the ones that the Lakers would have to sign and trade for and get hard capped. So, you know, Rozier is one of those options that you can trade for and not have to hard cap the team. Uh, and he only is only making, you know, 17.9 million. So that's a very acceptable salary. If you want to, if you want to go the route where you're going to pay a little bit of luxury taxes, 
it's a far better option than paying 44 million for Chris. Plus it's Paul. only one year. And if he doesn't play to the level yeah. that you want, if you can he, move on from him. Yeah. Move on. So he's, he's, move on. It's the reason he's on the list. He's a good option. And, and I, you know, I mean, there's two teams that two teams that had a lot of talks last year with the Lakers and the Lakers and the Hornets about, about Harrell at the trade deadline and two teams that had a lot of talks about Kyle Kuzma at the trade deadline were, the Sacramento Kings. So those are two of the two options that are fairly reasonably affordable. You can get both of them for 40 million uh, and you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't hard cap yourself. Well, there you go. There you go. Indeed. So those are the choices that we are looking at for a lot of our, I mean, there are obviously more choices out there as far as the NBA is concerned, but right now those are some of the major choices right there that we're looking out for potential targets for the Lakers, especially at the guard and wing rotations that you're looking at right there for you. Do you have any thoughts on Laker Tom's list? The nice Excel spreadsheet, as it were, that we've got posted right here on the show. Please go ahead and let us know. Lakers fast break at yahoo.com. But guys, it's all down to it on the mock draft. So we're down to our last five right now. So we're going to go ahead and bring that up on the screen real quick. It is our final five. Okay, enough of the the actual theme music there. Orlando with its second pick right there for you. It's actually the number five pick. So it's their their second choice in the top ten, or it's actually their first if we're going the actual right way. But Scotty Barnes, a name that has risen higher and lower in depending on who you're talked to in the past few days. 6'9", freshman coming out of Florida State. Uh, big, long-armed, long-wing defender that is basically athletic enough, quick enough, and you know, defensive-minded enough to play defense at against any position, one through five. He should fill out to where he can be a small ball five, but yet he will be someone like in the vein of a Ben Simmons that can play the one. I mean, if you got someone at the one, got some of the two that is really scoring on you, stick Scotty Barnes and it might slow him down because he's very good defensively. And as a playmaker, a distributor, someone who can defend, he's going to fill a lot of those slots and someone that reminds a lot of people of maybe more athletic Draymond Green I think it's a lot of what a lot of people are talking about there. He can be someone that can be either your primary or your secondary ball make, uh, ball handler and playmaker, someone who's very creative on the wing, but and, and someone who can even play spots of point guard and may actually project out as a point guard in the next uh, at the next level. So we'll see where that ends up. But unfortunately, the reason why he keeps going up and down, up and down, up and down on people's prognostications is the fact that he, as of now, is a very shaky jump shot. 28% from three, 62% from the line. Not very good numbers there, but if he can ever fix that out, he could become a regular all-star in the league. But as we're seeing with Ben Simmons, if he doesn't fix that or if he doesn't work at it and if he doesn't go ahead and concentrate on that end of the floor – you could see a situation similar to what we're seeing with Ben Simmons, where there is a ceiling that you're going to hit. And Ben Simmons has now hit it, where he has gone with his, I'm not going to go ahead and really work on my shot because I really don't need to because I've got all this talent. And as you see, as what happened in the playoffs, where he went to that ceiling, 
And that could be the same thing for Scotty Barnes, unless he really works hard on his jump shot. But my gosh, he brings everything else to the table. And I think he would be a good pick as a developmental pick right there for you at Orlando at number five. Number four, well, I really did not want to do this guy this low this whole time, but the top three are so talented. And for me, Jalen Suggs out of Gonzaga is going to be a steal at number four for Toronto. I really think this kid's a winner. He may not have the 20-point game. He may not lead the league in assists. He is going to give you a solid defense and very solid offense. If his jump shot even improves a little bit, he's going to be that guy that is going to win multiple championships and it's going to be a not only a solid contributor but he could very well be end up being the key contributor like we saw out of van vliet in toronto like we saw out of kyle lowry in toronto he reminds me of someone that's gonna if kyle lowry leaves someone that's going to replace them as someone who i think is just a winner i mean laker tom and i were remarking about his heroic efforts during the ncaa tournament i just think that kids got the it factor Again, he may not have the sexiest numbers compared to the other three individuals I'm going to be talking about. I just think right now he might have the most titles when all is said and done. And that might be the most important thing of all right there for you. So number three, I've got uh, down one. I mean, because a lot of people in the last week or so have leaned towards one individual over another at number two. So number three Sliding down a little bit is USC Trojan Evan Mobley. Just a 6'11 playmaker, creator, shot taker, can shoot the ball pretty good. Someone who projects as someone who could be a, a 4 or a 5. That can be someone that can be outside, play outside, play inside. Uh, he's pretty good on the post up. Block shots really well, can defend. Needs a little bit better rebounding. Obviously needs to beef up a little bit because he's on the skinny side. But if he does and he bulks up a little bit, I'm not going to say he's Anthony Davis, but he projects into that style of game as far as someone who can just beat you from both the inside and out. So someone who can really take it to the next level. But again, he's got to go ahead and bulk up. And But he does he does project as a very good playmaker as well. Excellent passer. Someone who, who checks off a lot of boxes, and it was hard putting him at number three, but I see him right now at number three for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Number two, Jalen Green Houston uh, for the Houston Rockets coming out of the G League, and if that's the case, then I consider this G League Ignite a success if he projects and plays as well as we think he's going to play at the next level. I think he's got a 25 to 30-point game a year, type deal that's coming up in the not too distant future. People talk about him being at Bradley Beal level as far as a scoring mentality. And if he rounds out the other portions of his game, because he's very athletic, I think he's going to be a great addition to any team and someone who's going to take up a lot of your scoring issues and could be someone who projects as a all-star, but not, not just that, but he could get something beyond that. It could become a superstar at the next level. So we'll see what happens. Jalen Green with the Houston Rockets in number two. And number one is the consensus number one. Pretty much everyone has him there. It is Kate Cunningham, uh, just a do-it-all kind of guy, defense, offense. Turnovers are an issue, but shoots well from the outside, shoots well from the free throw line, checks off even more boxes than anyone else. 
he probably has the highest floor of anyone else as someone who I think at the worst is probably going to be a several-time all-star and someone who's going to contribute greatly to a team. Is he going to be that dynamic game changer? I'm not sure because athleticism, he's athletic, but he's not overly athletic. So I think that's another thing that people are kind of sliding him on. If I were Detroit, I would still field offers. If somebody were like Houston, throw a bunch of stuff at me, like Christian Wood and the couple and the and the two first round picks, I would be interested and I would probably trade for that. But because because I think the chasm between Kate Cunningham and Jalen Green is not that far, but I still think Kate Cunningham comes out on top at number one. So guys, you heard my mock draft for 5.0. Any last thoughts on it before we finish up with the U.S. Olympic team, Jamie. Uh, what are the odds? We what fifty? What are the odds on Lakers keeping the pink? Uh, I say 50-50. I'm saying seventy thirty. We keep it. Seventy thirty, keeping it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's thirty seventy trading it. Yeah. <laughs> so we got a seventy thirty four, seventy thirty against, and a fifty fifty me right in the middle. I'm Switzerland in this case. But... <laughs> That's right. And I'd I like, like to talk to you about. I'd like to talk to you about moving some supplies through your uh, borders if we could. Have there you go. Here. There you go. But I, as I said and indicated on the Upside Swings podcast, if the Lakers pick at number twenty two, and they ultimately keep the pick, they have to keep the pick for I think for a little while just because yeah. of that Stepien rule. But if they ultimately don't have an agreement in place under the table, per se, that everybody like Shams and Adrian Wojnarowski will report on, if they don't have that in place and they do, and the guy ends up staying on the roster, that means the Lakers didn't have a deal because I think that's their first priority is to get a deal done. And if the, and if the number 22 choice is kept, I think that means the Lakers failed in getting someone that's going to help the Lakers sooner rather than later. That's just my opinion right there. I've, I think that you guys would agree that, you know, a rookie would be nice, but someone that can help you win now a little more would probably be a little bit better. They have a habit of taking uh, four-year guys. So that's why, you know, expect them to take a guy with four years of college. Duarte is going to be long gone. I know. I know. But he might not. Trey Murphy. The other mock drafts are – if the other mock drafts and the Lakers analysis are similar to yours, Gerald – I don't see how the Lakers get by the draft without trading him. Right. Yeah. I, I would like to see them traded. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. I think it's the best interest for well, the you team. Well, you pretty much made it because you took all of the guys that we wanted and put them way lower. That's the thing. That's, that's the why thing. we should have done it in a reverse order so that our disappointment could have been not all at once. You know. <laughs> You're hearing and I'm seeing on the tape and I'm seeing on the videos that I look over again and again and they're popping out, but you're also hearing from yeah, these guys who are guys talking to the GMs. <laughs> they're talking to the NBA GMs. Yeah. And when you hear that and you see that interacting with it and you hear that, okay, this guy's moving up, this guy's moving up, this guy's moving up, it's like you can't avoid it. It's just you can't. Yeah. No matter how much you want the Lakers to have that pick, you just can't. There's talk that we might move down for a couple of second rounders. That's that's another point. I mean, the Lakers don't be surprised if the Lakers do that and they they buy themselves because this is a this is a good draft overall. This is a good draft, and there are some individuals in the second round that can help the Lakers, I think, and can be a contributor on the team. So if they go ahead and do that, if they trade down and get a couple of second rounders or they buy into the second round, don't be surprised about that as well. Because I think this is a draft with contributors all around the draft. 
I think as we've seen from recent years that we can find some of the best players in that draft in the second round or undrafted as our MVP is a second round draft choice, as we just saw this past season with Nikola Jokic. So beauty is in the eye of the beholder whenever it comes to the draft. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. But guys, before we head on out, because we're now two hours in on this world record longest Lakers fast break. (laughs) But before we head on out, guys, I wanted to go ahead and talk a little bit about the misery suffered today by Team USA and something I think we kind of alluded to and predicted that would happen after their dismal showing and exhibition games a couple weeks ago. And that was the... U.S. team falling at the hands of France in their first game. I mean, there's still the chance that the team could go ahead and and play for a medal. But starting off on a bad note, and their first loss, I think, in Olympic competition since 2004, Jamie, is not a very good way to go. No. You know, it's funny. I I have long been of the opinion that since Dream Team 2, and the first time, and, and when Kobe went to the Olympics, there, there's just not a, who's the leader of that team? Who's who's the guy who's going to, because the coaches only can only do so much, right? Like, they're going to say, this is what we got to do. This is our game plan. You guys got to go do it. And, you know, when, when three of your players show up at one in the morning, the night before the game, and, you know, you've had a couple of weeks of practice time, and, you know, you got Kevin Love, who's all in, and then Bale. I, 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 that team has been in kind of a state of disarray from the beginning. Um, I, I think that Team USA is doing itself a little bit of a disservice, kind of going net style. Like, all, we need all of the best players. That's I, I disagree. I think you need to build a team. You need to build a team of guys who, like, are going to play well together. And when you have Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant and – uh, Jason Tatum all bricking a shot in the last, you know, few seconds to like make the game even close. Uh, you just, it just looks like a bunch of guys who are playing together. Like, you know, one of the best rec teams on planet earth, but still like in terms of cohesion, no better than a rec team, you know, a bunch of guys who showed up and it's like, Hey, what's going on? And like, I do this and I do that and I do this and I do that. And nobody says we should do this. We should do that. And so uh, as it's true. And, job. Huh? That's the coach's job. Yeah, the coaches. I mean, I listen. I can't fault. Very also, just look at the records of the coaches. The records well, of the I, coaches speak for themselves. That's the team that's been given to them for Team USA for the last few years. So I, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, who's I think been team, the coach for the last few years? That's not who's assembling the team, though. I think Team USA is doing itself a disservice by going for all like super high profile all stars. I think that they should look a little bit harder at guys who are. A little hungrier when you're showing up because there's a spot in your medal case that you'd really like to fill up with a gold medal versus I really want to like play hard and win. I mean, let's look at Drew Holiday. 
Drew Holiday just won himself an NBA championship, and he's playing in the Olympics as if his life depends on it. The other guys, they, you know, they're there. They, they, they put on the uniform. They're out on the court, you know, but they just don't seem to have that same level of intensity or urgency, and that's what it takes in the Olympics today. It's not how it was 20 years ago when you could just show up and expect us to, you know, just level like a broadside of talent at the other team and just blow them off the court. That is not happening anymore and hasn't been happening for several years, frankly. Uh, so I, I think Team USA is going about it all wrong from the beginning. Uh, and, you know, maybe a coaching change wouldn't hurt, but I don't think a coaching change is going to make this mismatched collection of toys play any better together. Tom, any last thoughts before we head on out? The headline that I put for the news of the USA, Team USA dropping that first game was old school coach, new school players. I think it's directly a situation where this is the best that they could come up with, but that team should have been able to still perform well enough not to lose those exhibition games and not to lose the first game that they play. And I think a big part of it, a big part of it goes back to, to pops and his whole attitude. You play, if you play for pops, you play my way or you don't play. And I think that, Basically, there's already news coming out that the players are not happy with the coach. They're not happy with the style of the offense. They're not happy with the style of play. They're not happy with how the coach is dealing with them. And if that little bit is coming out already, you can expect that there's fire where there's smoke in this particular situation. Pops is past his ages. They should fire his ass, get somebody else younger who can relate to the young players, can motivate the young players, and have them play the game because it's not working. It's not working for the Spurs. It ain't working for Team USA. And that was said by someone who is in his same age practice. So, <laughs> so there you go. Not saying otherwise because I think it's uh, – I agree with him. I agree with Laker Tom on that one. But, guys, it's been a sensational two hours plus on this special episode of the Lakers Fast Break. I, again, I think maybe the trade deadline, maybe that was just as long as this one. So it's been a great time, though. We had much to discuss uh, and all the free agent options. But I know these guys hopefully will be back on Thursday night at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern after the NBA draft. We'll talk about the winners and losers for the NBA draft. Plus, we'll talk, I know this is the best part about it, the trades. All these <laughs> trades are probably going to be made. I'm hoping it will be very active. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping beyond all hope that it will be very active during this course of what maybe what the over under for trades in the first round. Yeah, I just, I, oh, I would love oh. to see so much activity and we'll report on it. That the also go ahead and winners and losers of, of the actual draft themselves. So we'll talk about that. But guys, so great to have you here again. We will be here on Thursday night live on Facebook at Lakers Fast Break. On the 29th at 8 p.m. Pacific, please join us then. If not, you can catch our show on Friday. It will drop. A new episode will drop. This Our coverage of the NBA trade, whole scenario, draft scenario, the whole nine yards, all the stuff that's going on there during the NBA draft. We'll talk about that, and it will drop on Friday. But we'll record it live. We'd love to have you part of it because we'd love to hear your thoughts on it, live chat. We'll go ahead and do what we can to take care of you right here at the Lakers Fast Break. But, guys... I know you're working a lot for Lakerholics.com. Jamie Sweet, you've got five things coming up for Lakerholics.com. Uh, I'm going to wait till after the draft. Uh, I'm going to wait till after the draft. I don't. I don't. I, I've been trying to be a little more participatory, letting uh, letting other guys like uh, 
Mongo and Michael uh, drive the conversation a little bit. It's always funny to me how during the regular season, sometimes it goes a lot more silent than it does during the off season. Uh, I don't know why that is, but it just seems to be the pattern. Um, but regardless, uh, I, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a couple of things kind of in the barrel. I mean, it's all just marinating up here in this thing I call a brain. So, oh, that's scary. Uh, <laughs> oh, man, you have no clue. Uh, uh, yeah, it could get a little weird up there, but um, you know, it's I'm excited to see uh, I'm excited to see how the draft plays out. You know, I think there's just based on the, how the combine and how the uh, post, you know, all the all the scouting and and workouts that people do between the combine and and the draft, it's been interesting to see how fluid this draft has gotten. Uh, I feel like a lot of years the draft you could pretty much set one through twenty and and kind of like you know like eh, there might be a little variance here, there might be a little variance here. Uh, but this year, there just seems to be so much uh, fluidity to it. Um, so I'm curious to see if that plays out both in the form of trades made on draft day for for picks and or, you know, surprise picks for need rather than, you know, quote unquote, the best player at, available at that uh, slot. So we'll see. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun indeed. But Laker, Tom, what are you working on at Lakerholics.com? Um, I'm trying to get a figure feel feel in my mind for what the Lakers might do um, because some of the scenarios are, are starting to get pretty outrageous with respect to luxury taxes and so forth. Um, I'm kind of interested in the, in seeing what happens. The, I mean, the draft is going to be the first shoe of the off season. It's going to tell us a lot about what's going on. And, uh, and I, I expect there to be as many, many trades as we've ever seen in a first round. You know, there, there could easily be five or six trades. Uh, and some I'm of those trades could be mega trades involving superstars. So I'm hoping. I think the whole landscape is going to look completely different after this draft. I hope so, because sometimes we say that and it, it just ends up falling like yeah. that. Or just like all. I, okay. Yeah, yeah but I, th- I, I, I think that's break. That, I'm so bored now because it's yeah, just a straight draft. You know, the thing you raised earlier, Gerald, which I thought was a really cogent point, and, and by the way, an excellent job on the draft, and thank you very much. Thank you. Um, but I, I, I think the point you raised earlier that we are in a lot more of a win-now situation because of the play-in tournament, because all of a sudden it's just changed the dynamic for those lottery teams uh, and and the teams that are – it used to be that getting stuck in the middle was like the end of the world. You know, you're not good enough to get in the playoffs, but you're not good enough to, you know, to get low enough to be so bad to get a good draft pick. Now, all of a sudden, the playoffs are accessible by two-thirds of the league instead of half of the league. And that's really, I think, changed the dynamic because some of these teams understand, you know, if, if you're the Charlotte Hornets, you better be thinking about making the playoffs first rather than thinking about winning a championship. So you got to take things in steps. And, then, and getting into the playoffs and seeing what your young players can do, having them create a little bit of legacy for themselves, having them affect their market value by, by performing well and so forth, all of a sudden it, it, it causes a more of a shift that – and we've seen it in the last few years as there are more signing trades. We've seen more player movement than ever before, more trades than ever before, um, shorter contracts. And I think that the the whole thing was sort of derailed by COVID. And now I think it's it's almost like the economy. It's ready to take off. And with a few right moves, um, we could see the NBA, you know, really 
explode and and we could have so many changes that it really adds i think to the excitement for the fans seeing the teams getting a chance to play seeing you know i, I think it despite the lakers not winning a championship this year it's good to see two other new teams get into the finals that's two more sets of fans that never been there before never had any interest in it well you know who do you choose you want the lakers or the nets well then lakers and nets aren't playing man it was the it was the Bucks and the Suns for God's sakes, so you know it, I think we're on an accelerated pace for player movement, and I think we're going to see it like crazy in this draft. I think we're going to see five or six trades, and and the whole landscape of the league is going to look different by Tuesday night. Hopefully that will be the case because it's so much more fun when you get to report on all the changes, and hopefully yep. we will do so coming up on Thursday night. Right here, the Just Lakers. Like to get back break. to the regular schedule where we can do this around July fourth next year. We'll Rather see what than, happens. Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and have them in the end of July. Like the Lakers, we'll make some targets. We'll go ahead and target that. But we're also just want to make sure before we head on out and go ahead and mention on Monday on Free Agency Day at high noon, I think Pacific is what Laker Tom was talking about. That's right in the middle of free agency, and I think if all goes well, we're going to go ahead and do that. We're going to be available on at noon. On Monday, coming up a week from Monday, that's going to be August the 2nd right there for you. So that'll be the start of free agency. So we'll talk about that. And we'll hopefully be able to be live on Facebook at Lakers Fast Break for that as well. But, guys, it's been great talking to you both. I wish you both a safe and happy week. And I will hopefully see you both on Thursday. I'm hoping to get someone in, a draft guru per se, but they're all busy this time of year. So I see if I can sneak someone in here for our Thursday draft grades, but we'll go from there. But everyone out there, if you go ahead and give us a chance, please give us a shout out at Lakers fast break at Laker, Tom, Jamie sweet. You can go ahead and yell at him on his five things section at Lakerholics.com. Remember that if you did not catch everything on this show today, in regards to my mock draft 5.0, it will be posted later this evening, Sunday evening. So it'll be there for you Monday on Lakerholics.com as well. So it'll be the, First place I put that there for you, right? The first place I'll publicize putting it out there. I'm not going to put it on Basketball University first because you were here <laughs> and you didn't diss me this time. So it'll go on Lakerholics.com. <laughs> it'll be publicized there first. It'll be publicized there first. So, <laughs> so, so guys, uh, it's been great talking to you both. Thank you much for sticking around the two plus hours that we were at. Looking forward to an even more spirited conversation on Thursday when we're talking NBA draft and hopefully some NBA trades right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.